0: flyover politic podcast the show for normal americans from his undisclosed bunker here's your host tony reed
1: alamo is being fucking rude she was real rude with her black ass and she called me hon. she supposed to be at work and y'all going viral honey on facebook you too that bitch with and you call me a yeah. sir. I'm not a sir. I'm a ma'am. Yeah. I'm no, a I sir. Get I'm out. a ma'am. Get out. I'm a ma'am. Can you get him out? I'm a ma'am. I'm a ma'am. You being rude. Okay. I'm a ma'am. So, I'm a ma'am. My ID say female. He's being okay. rude. Know your pronouns. know your pronouns. Know your pronouns. No know your pronouns. Can you please know your pronouns, honey? Know your fucking pronouns. It's a world out here. It's a fucking world out here. Know your fucking pronouns. Stupid. Miss, Suck my out. dick. Like you said, man, I'm uh, him. Babe. Suck my dick. Please get out. you be up. F- to be killed. Someone was going to murder. And I can see you smiling. And I can see you
2: laughing. But to her, this is not funny. I went in there with other humans and I took her out of there and if I hadn't, she wouldn't be with me right now. She would be gone, just like all of her sisters, just like everybody who we left behind. And I'm here to tell you today that all of those other girls, but everyone who we left behind, they just wanted to live too and they deserve their lives. And right now, their eggs and their milk and their bodies are on plates inside this restaurant. And that is so unfair to them. My little girl's name is Snow. And every time you see someone eating somebody else's eggs or somebody else's body, you are going to remember her name.
1: Her name is Snow.
2: to And I just can't let you be It's a
3: free-for-all edition Flyover Politics Podcast woo And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast, a free-for-all edition. It's the 28th of January, year of our Lord, 2019. I went a couple days early just because I got enough stuff. Today we're going to cover media layoffs, some really good stuff by some really good conservative tweeters that I'll talk about when I get there. Uh, just searching for the, well, just the reality we know as conservatives of why the media is failing Tweets and hate, Covington again, got some more stuff. AOC in the dim race for the worst female candidate. I not being sexist, folks. These people are horrible, and I'm just really surprised this is the way they go. But you know, I'm I'm not breaking down their un electable. I'm just gonna do their crazy statements. Um just like we did in sixteen I didn't go through the circus show that was the conservatives, you know, all 16 candidates. I didn't do that. I'm i just, just going to report it as it is until we get to the field in 2020 and then talk about it. And then we'll end with news and social media nuggets. So up front, before we get into anything, um, I'm going to play some sound bites that I just thought summed up why our first se- segment is about media layoffs. Uh, first... The shutdown, and this is post-shutdown soundbites, and on the back end, the very last soundbite, I'm going to put a little pause in, you'll hear alternate, where somebody actually said the truth on CNN, that maybe the Dems gave because what Trump was saying was actually getting through, because it was, folks. So, here is our media, just a brief hit on how fucking horribly biased they are.
4: Uh, Obviously, we saw her earlier this morning uh, talking on New Day. Uh, She says in a tweet, the president will make remarks regarding the shutdown in the Rose Garden today at 1.30 p.m. Uh, This will be an open press event. Uh, and so it seems like the cat is out of the bag. Uh, if folks are wondering whether or not uh, we might see a bright, shiny object before the end of the day after, uh, that stunning news, uh, the indictment of Roger Stone, one of the president's longtime advisors and friends, uh, it appears we have one. The question is whether or not at this hour, Brianna, that, is that bright, shiny object potentially, uh, light at the end of the tunnel in terms of this government shutdown? Are we finally going to see an end of the government shutdown? I think a lot of that is going to hinge on what the president says, as we've seen so often before, and you know this, Brianna, uh, covering all of this, uh, President Trump uh, likes to keep things fluid, and what we know at uh, one oh p.m. East Coast time uh, may not be the case when he makes his announcement at 1.30 p.m. Uh, in about 20 minutes from now. But we'll be looking forward to a Rose Garden announcement from the president uh, here over here at the White House, and according to a senior White House official who I just spoke with a few moments ago, uh, this potentially has to do with what. What, uh, this official referred to as a way forward.
5: 35 days. 35 days of federal workers rationing asthma medicine for their kids, sleeping in cars, driving Uber, late night shifts just to make ends meet, and this man is not getting a single penny for his wall. 35 days. And the people are applauding him. This man single-handedly shut down the government. It is shameful. Dana Basham, starting with you. I heard no explanation as to why he did this and why he accepted this deal 35 days later, he still is not getting
6: what he wants. There's a four letter word to describe what we just saw and that's cave. There's no other way to describe it. The president caved after, as you said, more than 30 days, after all of the real, real world ramifications of what has gone on. He hasn't gotten a dime for his wall. but it's because things have gotten so bad obviously we know that not just from common sense but from reporting that he realized he didn't have a
4: choice yeah Brooke. i mean this was a big cave uh, i think this is one of the biggest tactical defeats for the president that we've seen in his political life uh... he created this box canyon for himself uh... nancy pelosi let him walk right into it and now he's uh, trying desperately to see his way out of it after watching on television this morning, the havoc uh, that a government shutdown, a protracted government shutdown can wreak on the uh, nation's aviation system. The other thing that was interesting to watch uh, being here in the Rose Garden is off on the sidelines uh, underneath the colonnade uh, over here uh, leading into the West Wing. You can see the vice president, you can see Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law and senior advisor, uh, cabinet officials, other top officials applauding as if this was some sort of victorious, Celebration yeah, yeah celebration that was just right out of alice in wonderland uh brooke totally. that that i mean to see the white house and people inside the white house applauding the president during one of the biggest tactical defeats strategic defeats of his political career to me just felt like the upside down out of stranger things it is just bizarre to see something like that happen <laughs> and, and they were and they were looking uh, jubilant before he even began his remarks they were uh, smiling and clapping and laughing and that sort of thing and it, it just it goes to the and this is something that we see day in and day out over here at the White House, there are just people here who are not dealing with reality. The reality on the outside world is that during a 35-day shutdown, people are suffering, they're crying, they're on the news talking about how they can't pay their bills and buy their insulin.
7: If this, in fact, is for a short-term uh, reopening of the government, then that is the second ginormous win for Nancy Pelosi as Speaker in just a matter of days. Put another notch in uh, Speaker Pelosi's belt for the new power in Washington. Nancy Pelosi, who you so rightfully point out,
8: now seems to have had two ginormous wins over the president.
9: A massive,
10: massive victory for Nancy Pelosi. The the number one outcome of this is... That unfortunately, of course, for these workers who went weeks, weeks without being paid, but also Nancy Pelosi's power has undoubtedly been increased. She has strengthened her hold not just among Democrats, but just in Washington, and really setting herself up as an equal with this president.
5: A formidable foe, very much
10: so, and has I mean, clearly this defeated is equal. him. Well,
5: she's acting as his equal, and she's coming with a with a pretty clear mandate too from Democratic voters who voted overwhelmingly to put the Democrats back in charge of the House, a massive blue wave to put the Democrats back in. Charge of the House in order uh, to put a check on this president. I, you know, you talk about the president. Um, not you specifically. I think no, we baby. generally sometimes talk about the president in saying that the best way to get him not to do something is or to do something is to tell him not to do something. That's how you talk. That's what happens to your four-year-old.
10: Yeah, my four-year-old, that That is exactly how it works. But that is in some ways how this president works. He doesn't like to be told no. He has surrounded himself on a staff right now where there are very few people who can ever tell him, like, sir, that's a bad idea. And we know how impulsive he is and how reactionary he is, particularly to media and, and, and in the conservative media, which is what got him in the shutdown mess. To begin and
5: with. the people who were telling him no, he's systematically gotten rid of. Yes. He no longer has John Kelly as his chief of staff. He no longer has Defense Secretary Mattis um, in charge of, of the military. All the people who have pushed back on him have found um, themselves either resigning or, or, or being fired by this president. Hold on a second.
0: Democrats also. I'm hearing from
6: senior Democrats that they are hearing more and more from their rank and file, particularly the new members who tend to come from more moderate districts, saying, They're getting pounded because the Trump message, the Republican message, that they don't care about border security has started to seep in as well.
3: It's like they work for the DNC, isn't it? I mean, we say it every podcast, but it's just just unbelievable. That's our media. And they wonder why people don't subscribe. And thousands of fucking journalists have lost their jobs. I mean, it's just almost like... Why don't you listen to what you say and realize only thirty percent of the country actually wants that shit? But you keep on pushing it like everybody's down with your Kool Aid and they're not. Then of course we have Stone. Not going in depth in this. I think Roger Stone's a fucking moron, and I, once again, this is this is like whitewater to me. Being a conservative independent, you know, they they whenever they do these investigations. It's never the president that goes down. It's everybody important. It's some outlier that gets, you know, Scooter Libby goes to prison. Nobody else does. So my only point on this, and I, we hit it later, is how did CNN know and how was CNN there if the FBI isn't a left-leaning organization right now? The FBI has arrested political
11: activist, Trump associate, and friend Roger Stone. CNN's camera was there as it happened. Watch this. FBI, open the door. We have video, I believe, of the FBI arriving at Roger Stone's residence in Florida to make this arrest. This is, look at look at the FBI no. going in to arrest Roger Stone early this morning. They're not messing around. No,
6: no. I mean, they're in flak jackets. This is very look at look at the team of agents that show up. This is very serious stuff. Obviously, they didn't know what was going to happen when they got there. Right.
11: Um, fascinating to see this. Before our eyes
6: but what's so fascinating is that we've talked to his attorney the attorney didn't know this was coming clearly Roger Stone didn't know this was coming you were staked out at his house you didn't know that this was coming why were you there in position
12: Allison it's it's reporter's instinct the whole Russia team thought maybe something was happening there was some unusual grand jury activity in washington dc yesterday the grand jury robert muller's grand jury typically meets on fridays yesterday a thursday there was grand jury activity we also had some other signs that maybe something
11: was going on this angle the roger stone angle So, we showed up at his house this morning we were the only ones there and lo and behold the FBI agents did come and arrest him. The
5: standard, uh, will this same standard apply to people like Hillary Clinton, mm. James Comey, uh, Clapper? Will we see these same people who we know have also made false statements? Uh, will that same standard apply? And that's a question uh, that we'll have to see what happens on that front.
11: Let me read you a paragraph from this uh, 24-page indictment.
3: It's- and lastly, we got to play some immigration stuff because we really don't hit it in here. And I want to read this great article by Heather McDonald about immigration in a whole. Um, We're going to start the show with Heather McDonald. We're going to end the show with Heather McDonald because Heather McDonald's uh, just one of my favorites. But um, this is a CBS reporter just shocked, shocked, apoplexic because a a border agent says we need a wall. And, of course, that goes against the liberal talking points. And an African-American mother at a school board talking about What nobody wants to report and why I've said on the show a million times, if I was an African-American, I'd be like, what the fuck, Dems? You, You don't give a fuck about me. You say you give a fuck about me, but all you care about is transgenders now and illegal immigrants, illegal aliens, foreigners, people that aren't here. That's all you seem to care about. What about us?
7: This group is part of 180 migrants apprehended this morning by Arizona border agents. Fernando Grijalva says this area has become a hotbed for illegal crossings.
10: I've seen six different presidents the time that I've been with the Border Patrol, and this is the worst crisis that I've seen.
7: You actually will use that word, crisis? Yes. Grijalva says these patrols are dangerous, but that hasn't stopped him or agents from doing their jobs despite not being paid because of the shutdown. I mean, they're working without pay. I mean, tomorrow will be the second paycheck that they're missing.
1: I want to go to this uh, immigration, yes you guys did, and you guys want to fund illegal immigrants and you left seven African American people out on the street homeless with no help on the Anzac property and I am one of the victims and you guys have the nerve to sit up here and help illegal immigrants and me and seven other people and my child was kicked out of a home due to housing corruption in your district and you are well aware of it. Okay, now, if you guys say illegal immigration is legal and you are saying this is illegal, well, guess what? If illegal immigration or undocumented isn't a crime, then why are U.S. citizens being unfairly charged with illegal crimes? If they can do it, so can the American people. And then they talk about fearful of their children. The American people are fearful currently now due to the Mexican cartels who are upset because they are going to be deported. And now they are attacking American
3: families. Which is a perfect segue into Heather McDonald electronic barriers, barriers. While the nation squabbles over a border wall, technology could help cut off the supply of jobs to illegal immigrants. This is like the no brainer of All no-brainers. Donald Trump was elected president because a large segment of the American public was fed up with government failure to stop mass illegal immigration. Trump's campaign promise to build a wall between Mexico and the U.S. drew an ecstatic response from his supporters, long scorned for the belief that the decisions regarding who enters the country belong to Americans, not foreign nationals living outside the country. But the wall has not been built, and the fight over its funding has sucked political capital from the pursuit of other and arguably better means to deter deter illegal immigrants. The most important of those measures is to prevent unauthorized aliens from getting work, since the job magnet is the primary lure for illegal immigration. Commentators and analysts across the political spectrum have acknowledged that preventing illegal employment is key to deterring illegal immigration. The New York Times editorialized in 82 that there can be no effective enforcement of the borders without mandatory verification of workers' papers. A technology has existed for decades to do just that, e-verify, run by the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service, allows employers to check instantaneously and for free whether the work documents presented by a potential employee correspond to existing Social Security number or whether they are forged. Universal implementation of E-Verify has been blocked, however, by employers who prefer to hire illegal aliens over American workers. not going to read the rest. I don't need to. This is a thing I under... You know, I'm for the wall. I've said I'm for the wall. Um... I have said numerous times on the podcast, I know immigrants. I am an immigrant. We did it legally. And with the stories we're going to read right now, just quick hits, just the title of the story, we have a serious problem on the border. But that problem on the border would be mitigated if we used E-Verify. Real companies do. If you don't do it within 48 hours, that person can't even work. But we have states that have said, and cities, and Democrats, fuck the laws. We can do whatever the hell we want, and we don't care. We're sanctuary. We're going to give them Social Security. We're going to give them Medicaid. I mean, they're giving them everything. I mean, there are stories that California is just rolling out the red carpet and taking care of them before our own poor So she's dead on. If we literally punished companies that did not do E-Verify, this conversation would be so much less. There'd still be people trying to get in, but it wouldn't be mass caravans. The latest one's 12,000 fucking people. So our quick hits on immigration, three naturalized U.S. citizens arrested in Michigan for conspiracy to support Islamic State. Got a problem in Michigan, folks. Dearborn in that area, we got a problem with Islamists. The Daily Wire speaks with Mark Morgan, Obama-era border chief, who says, we need a wall. He's been all over TV. It, that's Obama. Report at least 230 tunnels discovered under the border since 1990. We just talked about one. 347 people. Migrant with flesh-eating bacteria detained at the U.S. border. You know, I want to bring this in line with really what is happening. We have measles outbreaks. You know, there was a, a study done, and, and we covered it, I think, last summer, where everywhere Syrians went, new diseases came out that had never been there. But the media doesn't cover that because they're all for this open border bullshit, and because they don't want to make Democrats look bad. They all report it. But a lot of diseases are coming back to the United States that we have eradicated through immunization. And because you got liberals who don't want to immunize their kids, these illegal aliens are coming in. They're not immunized. They're bringing measles, smallpox. There's been polio outbreaks, for fuck's sake. I'm not making this up. This isn't a Breitbart, Daily Caller, Daily Wire, conspiracy theory, no, it's it's literally the truth, folks. And that's the other side. You know, I rail on here. I take my son's story out of the closet, dust it off, and talk about how he was his brand-new vehicle he owned for an hour was totaled by a legal immigrant. No punishment was had. He got lucky because liberty, liberty, liberty was good. Sorry, the commercial's got a good jingle. Um, you know, they protected him and said, "Well, the licensed driver, the real citizen, we're going to hook you up, even though we know uh, that person wasn't driving." I mean, they were great people. great people made me almost want to change from AUSA over. But this, just medically, you are bringing people with flesh-eating bacteria in the country. But you're a xenophobe, you say, hey, maybe we should curtail this shit. Maybe it's not good to have everybody who couldn't make it in their own country come here. Maybe we need to look at all the other variables since Ellis Island, Jim Acosta. I mean, a lot has changed since Ellis Island, the days of yore, give me your huddled masses. Somehow part of the Constitution now to fucking reporters. And then lastly, Melania Trump, an apology. I'm not going to read it, but you already heard it. The Telegraph had to pay damages and literally give a formal apology. I looked at it online. They literally made shit up. And they paid for it we have one more story and then we're going to go into layoffs and maybe if they, all these media organizations, apologized, retracted, removed, erased their false stories, they wouldn't lose a thousand people. Just a thousand people from their jobs. They're so narcissistic, they just leave it up. But the Telegraph they didn't have a choice. They had to. So, lastly, in line with immigration, and I wanted to put it on the back end because I want, I got a sound bite. You got to hear the sound bite. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton tweeted Friday afternoon that the Texas Secretary of State office has discovered 95,000 non U.S. citizens who are registered to vote in the state of Texas. Now remember, I rail on here about California is giving out over a million driver's license, so you know people are voting out there. Thus, I just quaffed and made fun of the whole fucking Hillary won by three thousand votes. So there was like ten million fucking illegals in California alone, but this is Texas. Kid Paxton tweeted, voter fraud alert, the Texas Secretary of State discovered approximately 95,000 individuals identified by DPS as non-U.S. citizens have a matching voter registration record in Texas, approximately 58,000 of whom have voted in Texas elections. Any illegal votes deprive Americans of their vote. Remember, every time you bring out illegal voting... Our media, from the stoic Chuck Todd, the liberal staffer, wife of Jennifer Palmieri's bestie, you're you're called a xenophobe, and you're you're just making shit up, and you're a racist, and you're all this. James O'Keefe jumped on the end of this. On election day, we found a poll worker in Texas saying, we got tons of non-citizens DACA voting. If you got a driver's license, he's good to go. We played it on the show. But this week, PBS, PBS aired another liberal race hustler that voter suppression is worse now than the sixties. HALF
7: A CENTURY LATER, A GROUP OF RELIGIOUS AND MORAL LEADERS LAUNCHED A WAVE OF CIVIL DISOBEDIENCE IN WASHINGTON, A REVIVAL OF THE POOR PEOPLE'S CAMPAIGN. IT'S headed IN PART BY THE REVEREND WILLIAM BARBER, WHO IS THE CO-CHAIR. HE LED DEMONSTRATORS AT A RALLY IN FRONT OF THE U.S. CAPITOL, AND HE WAS ARRESTED ALONGSIDE THE REVEREND JESSE JACKSON, A KEY FIGURE IN THE 1968 MOVEMENT. When the original Poor People's Campaign took place, it was 50 years ago Dr. Martin Luther King was involved. After he was assassinated, it continued, but what is the connection between then and now?
13: Let me say that the connection was first of all that uh, it did continue. Uh, That people realized Dr. King was right, racism, poverty and uh, militarism were interconnected. The connection today is we did a study. We did something called the Souls of Poor Folk auditing America 50 years after the Poor People's Campaign. What did we find? Today, there are 140 million poor and low wealth people. Today, there are 250,000 people that die every year from low wealth. We have less voting rights today because of the gutting of the Voting Rights Act than we had in 1965. And we have um, 62 million people who are working poor, who work for less than a living wage, and 14 million children who are in poverty.
7: Those numbers are overwhelming. They are daunting. Um, You're not proposing to do away with poverty, are you?
13: We are saying that there are five interlocking injustices that America has to face because it continue, they continue to cause policy violence. That is systemic racism, particularly seen through the lens of voter suppression, where people use voter suppression to get elected. And then once they get elected, they pass policies that hurt the poor, mostly white women, children and the working poor. Systemic race, uh, systemic poverty, ecological devastation, the war economy and militarism, and the false moral narrative of religious nationalism—that says you don't have to address those issues. We are saying yes. America is going to have to face these five interlocking injustices and change them.
7: Why can't you work through the existing political system? Work to elect political figures who agree with your agenda?
13: Well, several reasons. Number one, we had 26 presidential debates in the last presidential election on the Democrat and Republican side. Not one hour was spent on poverty. Not one hour was spent on voter suppression and restoring the Voting Rights Act. Not one hour on the war economy and militarism. So if we're not even having the conversation
3: you know, on almost every issue we're having in our country for not right now, from abortion, illegal immigration, guns, voter fraud, it is unbelievable sitting here now as a 51-year-old man that one side of the argument doesn't deal in reality. They provide no facts. They only provide emotion. And we have a media conglomerate that pushes that emotion, that they agree with that emotion. Nobody calls anybody out on their lies or lack of facts. Even when AOC, which we have a section today of her being called out, nobody really cares. They're still promoting her as the second coming. That is the forward-facing America. You got Jake Tapper occasionally calls people out. But then he says crappy shit like maybe Stone will like jail. Like, what is that, a gay bash? What was that about? I don't know. And then you have our weekend shows this week. Meet the Democrats. They don't call anybody out. They don't call any. There's no tough things. We ban people with opposite opinions. i meet the press. And it's astounding. Because it used to be. In our country, facts matter. You have a news organization that says they're facts first. Democracy dies in the dark. All these crazy fucking mottos came out because of Trump or something. And yet emotion matters. Morally right matters more. Keep that in mind as I pay this montage, and it's not all-encompassing, but it covers some quick, late, late, you know, recent stuff, some late stuff. It's not the perfect montage, by any means, but it kind of is a good way to go into 1,000 media members lost their job.
6: 800,000 federal workers. I have uh, a suggestion for these federal workers, since Donald Trump says that... People will know them and will work with them. Mm -hmm. I think federal workers should show up at Trump properties, eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. And then say to the people when they, the bill comes, you know, work with me. The president said he'd work with me. I'm here to That's eat for, right. free. Yeah. Yeah. for free and get women for free. So Mar-a-Lago, they should work with them. <laughs> Mar-a-Lago, Trump, Doral in Miami, Trump, DC. <laughs> Why do you give me yeah, yeah, yeah. well, I'll, I'll post expensive. all the addresses. Does the White House serve hamburgers and fast food anyway? But uh, you, you know, know, I remember a time when George Bush Senior got into trouble because he didn't know how to go to a grocery store. Correct. Yeah, put nope. the scan right I, I mean, out. one. And I remember when Trump, when Obama got in trouble because he was wearing a. Beige suit. Oh, the I tan mean, suit. this yeah. man has been the the, the, the the sins and the crimes. I can't even list them, <laughs> and they he gets away with it. It's appalling. It's appalling. I, you know, you talk about the
5: president. Um, not you specifically. I think we oh, generally sometimes talk about the president in saying that the best way to get him not to do something is or to do something is to tell him not to do something. That's how you talk. That's what happens to your four-year-old.
10: Yeah, my four-year-old. That, that is exactly how it works. But that is, in some ways, how this president works. He doesn't like to be told no. He has surrounded himself on a staff right now, where there are very few people who can ever tell him, like, "Sir, that's a bad idea." And we know how impulsive he is and how reactionary he is, particularly to media and and, and in the conservative media, which is what got him in the shutdown mess today. And
5: with. the people who were telling him no, he's systematically gotten rid of. Yes, he no longer has John Kelly as his chief of staff. He no longer has Defense Secretary Mattis Mm -hmm. um, in charge of of the military. All the people who have pushed back on him have found um, themselves either resigning or or, or being fired by this president. It'll take quite
12: a while longer. Mm. What happens to other folks who want a chance to run against her? Because she's doing what they call in politics freezing pockets. Because the donors are giving her money thinking she's going to run. That means they're not going to have available money for other candidates if she doesn't. And I don't think she's going to give it to them.
14: She's on her way. To deciding. We'll see. About deciding. We couldn't help her
12: any more than we have. She's got just a free ride so far from the media. We're the biggest ones promoting her campaign, so better.
5: It take quite a while longer. Mm. What happens to other folks who want
12: to chance problem. to run against her? Because she's doing what they call in politics, freezing pockets. Because the donors are giving her money thinking she's going to run. That means they're not going to have available money for other exactly. candidates if she doesn't. And I don't think she's going to give it to them.
14: She's on her way to deciding. We'll see. About deciding. We couldn't help
12: her any more than we have. <laughs> I know. You know she's she's I know. got just a free ride so far from the media. We're the biggest ones promoting her campaign. So. All right. So President Trump wants you to believe he is the victim of a crooked scheme. Those are his words. And here are our words. There is no evidence of any wrongdoing. And in fact, if anything, the NSA asking for identities was a reflection of exactly how much traffic there was involving Trump people and foreign players the white house blasting the press for not reporting on another fake scandal being peddled by right-wing media
15: hillary clinton
4: documents released today by wikileaks make more clear than ever just how much is at stake in this election so much corruption well here's what we know what the
12: WikiLeaks dump uh, makes clear is how the sausage is made in politics. And I think it's interesting just on that level. Also interesting is, remember, it's illegal to possess uh, these stolen documents. It's different for the media. So everything you learn about this, you're learning from us. thing to have them attack what you say. It is another thing for them to want to actively attack you. How has your life changed now since this uh, exposure of this and even before about what you thought you may face
0: well clearly i'm under twenty four-hour guard now so that's dramatically changed anybody that speaks critically of Islam will be will find themselves in this position and it's not new we see this is going on across europe and uh... you know even the middle east and africa in bangladesh hundreds of thousands of muslims have marched for, th- for the death penalty for bloggers that they be put to death it's interesting, in Muslim countries under the Sharia, there is a death penalty for blaspheming Muhammad. In the West, you're not assassinated, but your character is assassinated. You are defamed, libeled, and ridiculed if you dare criticize Islam. That's where we are right now.
12: Are you going? I know the answer to this question, but explain your answer to this question. Have you thought that, oh, maybe I went too far. Uh, this wasn't worth it. I'm going to change how I do what I do now.
0: Drawing a cartoon, an innocuous cartoon, warrants chopping my head off? That's too far? I I just don't understand this. They're going to come for you too, Chris.
12: You have your laws in place. The question that I think your behavior raises is, why go slight for slight with the Muslims? Why not do what we often teach as a function of virtue when we're dealing uh, with savagery, which is show that we are better than this. Not show that we can poke them in the eye in a way they don't like it.
0: That's not what you're doing. You are submitting, and you are kowtowing. And they're saying to you, if you draw a little cartoon, if you should draw a stick figure and say it's Mohammed, we're going to come and kill you. And so you say... Okay, well, we won't show we won't it. CNN won't show, and like the other major networks.
12: But- we discussed before, Secretary Clinton says that she was getting different reports on the intelligence, and that was the reflection of the different statements. And nothing Sorry. that we've, you know, you guys didn't give us the whole report. You only gave us 200 pages. We'll get some later. Uh, but we could discuss that another time. But do you have anything to prove that she knew one thing, but said something else, that it wasn't about changing intelligence? Yeah, we have
8: her. We have her statements because why? she says the
12: statements changed because the intel changed.
8: But the point is, Chris, the, in, the intel did change, but her statements didn't. They were consist consistently publicly, they blamed the video, and consistently privately, they said it was a terrorist attack because the people in Libya knew right from the start there was no protest. Greg Hicks was asked about that. He said, "If there had been a protest." Would would Ambassador Stevens have reported it? And Greg Hicks' testimony was absolutely. For there to have been a protest and for this ambassador, as good as he was, one of the best we had not to report it is unbelievable. Of course he would have reported it. No one reported it. So her story didn't change, even though the intelligence did.
16: And that's what we point out in what Mike and I wrote.
7: If this BuzzFeed news report is true, then we are likely on our way to possible impeachment
17: proceedings. If it
15: were to be true, it means the president told someone to lie under oath, which very simply is a crime and is impeachable. If this story is true, we must begin impeachment proceedings if you can
9: prove that the president ordered it, that to certainly rise to the level of uh, rises to the level of impeachable offense.
6: We're going to know if the president of the United States committed a federal felony. And at that point, we are in high crimes and misdemeanor and we are an impeachment. Right. Right. Is
9: that an impeachable offense? Uh, this is suborning perjury. I think there's no question it's an impeachable offense.
8: That is considered an impeachable offense. Absolutely. These
18: are impeachable offenses.
11: Inside that answer, I did hear the I word impeachable.
7: Impeachment is a very fine alternative way to deal with this.
11: Democrats
6: will move maybe faster, maybe more aggressively toward impeachment.
4: There are an awful lot of similarities between a couple of the articles of impeachment against Nixon and the elements of this story.
15: The very same offense for which the House of Representatives moved to impeach Richard Nixon. In the
11: past, been impeachable.
6: That is the exact way that... Nixon was kicked
11: out. It's one of the things that drove Richard Nixon out of office.
6: CNN has not corroborated this reporting.
11: CNN, we should be clear, has not independently confirmed this. CNN has not independently confirmed this reporting.
6: It is important for us to note this morning that neither CNN nor any other major news outlet has so far confirmed BuzzFeed's report.
12: Welcome back to primetime. Here's a closing argument Two wrongs and what is right. It's been one year since Heather Heyer was killed for standing up to hate, and our thoughts still go to her family. We know what happened with racial tensions nationwide after that, and this weekend was billed as round two, Unite the Right, the sequel. Organizers planned a rally in Washington, D.C. this time, but the turnout of white supremacists was thankfully pathetic, which is why I didn't have to go there and cover it. Only a couple of dozen showed up. Proof they lost membership after being exposed against. Last year is a bunch of hateful losers. No, they're still in force online, but they didn't have the guts to show up. And that's good. Counter protesters did. There were good numbers of them. The vast majority were peaceful, but peppered in the crowd were members of Antifa or anti-fascists. They covered their faces, confronted police and berated journalists. And that was wrong. Now, you've been hearing it. There's a lot of whataboutism and spin going on, and it's kind of sickening to me. So let's all agree on some common understandings. A protester uses their voice. Songs, slang, slurs, there's a huge range, but it is talk. When you use your hands in a violent way, you are a rioter. And unless you're justified in defending yourself and you hit someone, you're a thug, you're a criminal. You attack cops... You slap the media, you are in the wrong, period. But I argue to you tonight, all punches are not equal morally. In the eyes of the law, yes. But in the eyes of good and evil, here's the argument. If you're a punk who comes to start trouble in a mask and hurt people, you're not about any virtuous cause. You're just somebody who's going to be held to the standard of doing something wrong. But when someone comes to call out bigots and it gets hot, even physical, Are they equally wrong as the bigot they are fighting? I argue no. Fighting against hate matters. Now, how you fight matters, too. There's no question about that. But drawing a moral equivalency between those espousing hate and those fighting it because they both resort to violence emboldens hate, legitimizes hateful belief, and elevates what should be stamped out. That's what Trump did wrong last year when he said this.
11: He said there was hatred, there was violence on both sides. Are, are, well, I do think there's
4: blame. I think there's blame on both sides. You look, at, you look at both sides. I think there's blame on both sides. And I have no doubt about it. Excuse me. And, then, and you had some very bad people in that group. But you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. No.
12: And he proved he still believes that when he wrote this before this year's anniversary. The riots in Charlottesville a year ago resulted in senseless death and division. We must come together as a nation. I condemn all types of racism and acts of violence. Peace to all Americans. He needed to call out the bigots and the white supremacists. And he didn't. Why? And why does he therefore have unprecedented support from these fringe elements of white power? Two wrongs and what is right the bigots are wrong to hit antifa or whomever anarchist or malcontent or misguided they are also wrong to hit but fighting hate is right and in a clash between hate and those who oppose it those who oppose it are on the side of right think about it civil rights activists were they the same morally as the bigots as the racists with whom they exchanged blows are people who go to war against an evil regime on the same moral ground as those they seek to stop from oppressing the weak. When you punch me in the nose for being Italian and you say I'm somehow less than, am I in the same moral place when I punch you back for saying that? It's not about being right in the eyes of the law, but you also have to know what's right and wrong in a moral and a good and evil sense. That's why people who show up to fight against bigots are not to be judged the same as the bigots, even if they do resort to the same kinds of petty violence. The law will take care of that. How you disagree matters. We should be our best. But I am arguing that it was wrong to create a moral equivalency between bigots and those who oppose them, making them equal wrongs. Those hateful few who take solace and encouragement from the president's efforts. My message to you is simple. Be aware. There are many more of us who see you as unequal, as less than, and you will be opposed at every turn because what you are about is wrong and fighting you is right. Thank you for watching CNN tonight with Don Lemon is going to pick up the show right now. It's a tricky argument. I know I'm going to get some heat I understand that. Mm -hmm. The law will take care of what you do to me and what I do to you. But to make it moral equivalence, when you're coming at me because I'm saying that you don't matter in this world as much as I do, Mm -hmm. those are not equivalent motivations that lead us into the confrontation.
19: Well, sometimes you can't fight people by, you know, praising them or being nice to them. You have to fight fire with fire sometimes. Listen, I'm not advocating. You should be
4: your best. Those guys
19: going after
12: cops, going after the media. It's wrong. They did yeah. nothing productive. They did yeah. nothing to make anything better.
19: Yeah. Let me just say this, though. You ask why he doesn't call out because the white nationalists are winning right now. This helps their cause. This helps their case um, for the president to to be equivocating between you know whether it's antifa or whatever. Find people on both sides that actually helps their their case, and they they have gone to the spotlight. Uh, this gives them energy and a profile that they didn't have before and, and it's, true. I, it's sad that this president can't see and that. that's
12: why they're up out online more than i've seen in a long time but i'll yeah. tell you this there ain't enough of them yeah there ain't enough of them well it cre- so. creates an equal opposite and people who want to fight hate and realize that they have to do something about it that they can't just sit back and expect it to happen otherwise not right now yeah. That'll matter too, my
19: friend. There is a great article that you should read by Adam Sir. I don't know if you read it, and it's called White Nationalists Are Winning. Adam's going to be on in our 11 o'clock hour. Yeah. He's going to talk to us about this great article. Great gift. We're going to have this conversation,
11: similar conversation. Thank you, Chris. I'll be watching. All right, see you. This is CNN Tonight. I'm Don Lemon. And Trump, I mean, I understand why Republicans are motivated to keep that agenda in place. What else, like, what else is Can there intentionally to get Democrats out? I was just going to say, I think the Democratic leadership, and, and the disconnect, you know, Republicans, the, the Republican base, David, mm-hmm. wanted a more aggressive Republican Party to go after Obama and go after Hillary Clinton. And the leadership was always like, no, 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 we've got to use a pro. You know, we're always trying to sort of hold back those that id in the party. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and, and they and they paid a price in Donald Trump. And I'm thinking all of these responsible Democratic leaders that are preaching impeachment caution. Are these people? The base may say, "Give me Michael Avenatti. I don't want you responsible guys."
8: Mm-hmm. Well, right, and I think that's something the Democrats are going to have to deal with. But I tell you, on the Republican side, uh, they got exactly what they wanted—a guy that was going to shake things up. Look, I-, I think one of the one of the best things going in Donald Trump's favor—we know this—is the mainstream media. I hate to say it. I know I'm sitting on a Meet the Press roundtable, <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, 62% think the media is biased. So, in other words, if you look at the approval rating of Donald Trump, well, cons- the, approval rating the conservative of the media,
11: echo chamber created that environment. It's, but, it's not. Not, it's not, no, no, no. I mean, yeah. it has been a tactic and a tool of the Roger Ailes Ex- created yes, echo chamber. Yes, yes, so let's not, right. not pretend it's not anything other than that. Well,
8: hang on. Yes and no. Because remember, the independents in the, uh, are part of Donald Trump's base. And I think that's very important. Well, a lot of times we say Republicans are Donald Trump's base. Not really. They're, they're the, no, it's a they're, separate they're the,
11: Trump. It is a different version of the Republican. But those
8: Party. independents also distrust media. This is not just Republicans. It is many Americans across. Oh, the no, no, country. no. I take your point. I'm right. just
11: saying it was a creation. It was a campaign tactic. It's not like based in much I, fact. I Do think it's worth saying though? You know, to to kind of get away from all the politics. What the leaders are saying about this needing to be bipartisan and so forth. They're right. The founders did not intend impeachment to be a tool for what they referred to as maladministration. If you don't like what a president is doing, you have a tool to get rid of that president. Vote him out. Yeah. It's designed for treason, bribery, high crimes, and misdemeanors. Binary and high. I feel like there are enough people who say, oh, I'd rather we just mobilize for 2020 than try to throw him out now. That, that right. sets a dangerous precedent. Well, that's why I think it is Russia has to be a part right. of it, if you ever even get there. Mm. All right, guys, that's all we have for today.
3: 1,000 People Lost Jobs in the Media This Week by Amanda Arnold. BuzzFeed laid off approximately 200 people in the past few days. In the past three days, about 1,000 writers, editors, and other media workers lost their jobs, and a number that will continue to increase over the next week. On Wednesday evening, Verizon, which owns HuffPo, Yahoo, and AOL, announced it would be laying off 7% of its staff not long after the Wall Street Journal reported that BuzzFeed would cut soon. 15% of its staff. Earlier that day, Gannett Company, which owns more than 1,000 daily and weekly newspapers across the country, had cut approximately 400 jobs a devastating blow to small newsrooms and the local communities that depend on them. Oh, we depend on them? Really? Starting on Thursday, HuffPo laid off, among others, Pulitzer Prize finalist Jason Cherkik Cherkiss, whatever the fuck, I don't know how to say his name. Next day, BuzzFeed began its cuss decimating entire verticals, such as the National Desk. Meanwhile, those outside the office watched in horror as dedicated employees posted emotional tweets about being forced to leave jobs they loved. In total, HuffPost, which is organized under the Writers Guild of America East... <clears throat> cut approximately 20 employees at BuzzFeed. The number remains unclear. Early reports said the company would cut at least 200 people, though BuzzFeed allegedly only notified two departments about layoffs today. It will tell staffers of the remaining departments next week whether or not they'll be let go. As of Friday afternoon, the Hollywood Reporter media reporter Jeremy Barr tweeted 43 people had been laid off from BuzzFeed News alone. Some of them. In this story, Marissa Carroll, after four years of BuzzFeed News, today I was laid off along with the rest of the national team and many more brilliant reporters and editors. I'm so proud of what we've done here. Most recently, our fake story about Trump that was a total black eye on the media, but we still stand by it. Carol J. Marino. Okay, that was my add-in. After six-plus years at HuffPo, I've been laid off. I'm so proud of the work I've done to uplift Latinx voice here, and we'll miss everyone. If you're looking for bilingual Latina journalists to cover pop culture, identify marginalized communities, health, etc., DM me, hashtag journalism jobs. What she failed to put in there is, I'm going to bash Christians, Trump voters, and say that hats are racist. Okay. Laura Bassett. Some personal news. I've been laid off along with some of my incredible colleagues. It's been a wonderful eight years at UPO, and I will miss my newsroom family more than anything. If anyone's looking for a culture, gender, politics reporter, long form and short, I'm available. Culture, gender, then politics. Covey Biaco did it. Story continues. A post spokesman told CNN that the site is investing its talents and resources in areas that high audience engagement differentiating and are poised for growth at a time when our mission means more than ever. And according to BuzzFeed CEO, John, Jonah Peretti, who reportedly suggests that employees bring dogs to work on Monday as a means of raising morale, BuzzFeed is restructuring to focus on the content that is working. <laughs> okay. And achieve the right cost structure to support our multi-revenue model. Hmm. There's also speculation BuzzFeed is preparing for a sale or merger. But employees are skeptical of these explanations, and many are laying the blame on Facebook and Google which monopolized digital ad growth as well as poor decisions on management level. This isn't happening because of the market inefficiencies or consumer preferences or social values, HuffPost senior reporter Zach Carter tweeted. It happened because two very large companies have taken the advertising revenue that journalism outlets rely on and replaced it with nothing. An earlier version. See, there's a correction to this. An earlier version of this article So The National Desk have been responsible for a recent report on Trump. This detail has been removed as it was investigation Investigation desk that did the report. They can't even do an article about layoffs without a correction. Let that just sit. I I'm, I'm, I'm just want to point it out. Let it sit. CNN version of it. About a decade ago, and once again, I hate reading stuff, but this is, I, I want to lay a case, so work with me. Traditional news organizations faced an emerging threat for the host of digital upstarts, outlets that provide the news immediately online and for free. Today, a new threat seemingly looms over the entire industry as one reckoning after another comes from both print and digital shops alike. This week, reaffirmed just how dire things have gotten within the industry with about 1,000 jobs and media lost at the result of layoffs, announced BuzzFeed, HuffPo, and Gannett. The nation's largest newspaper change. BuzzFeed announced Wednesday that it would lay off 15% of its workforce, about 220 employees. Verizon announced it would cut 7%. Blah, 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 blah. The severity of the cuts again it came to light through various media reports and journalists who were laid off tweeted out, out the news. The Pointer Institute website, which is part of provide, part in part, provides news coverage of the journalism industry noted in a story that the cuts were not minor and affected well-known journalists including Pulitzer Prize winning cartoonists. On Thursday, some HuffPo employees who had been let go also shared their stories. On Twitter, among those affected were Jason Cherkis, I still can't say his name, Brian Magers, which we're going to talk about in a second. Staffers of BuzzFeed will wait until next week to learn their fate. Each case, each case has unique characteristics, but the root cause are the same. The layoffs come during a turbulent time in digital media and the journalism industry as a whole. Media companies have struggled in recent years to grapple with declining advertising revenues because of Facebook and Google. So they just outright say that's the reason. I'm not reading anymore. more. This is just a liberal diatribe bullshit. Before I make my case, self-indulgent journalists shine to close after hemorrhaging money. After 11 years of hemorrhaging money, the Baltimore Sun on Friday announced that Museum, a 250,000 square foot temple dedicated to journalists by journalists, will close. The Sun reported that $500 million building will shut down at the end of 2019, finally ending the saga of a Washington DC museum that was always in debt and had five chief executives in the last nine years. In 2017, the Washington Post announced it was a death watch after stunning decline. One thing that didn't help the museum is the expensive tickets. It costs $21 for adults down from 25 and almost 13 for children in a city of free museums. Over the years, Newsbusters reported on the problems of the self-indulgent shrine to journalism. In 2008, MRC's Kyle Drennan noted that the exhibit on journalistic ethics took up less space in the seventh floor building than a gift shop. In 2009, I toured the museum and found that the museum display, downplayed bias and derided advocacy journalism of conservative talk radio. One section read, news sometimes gets a partisan slat. Slant. Patriot journalists in colonial America didn't always tell all the sides of the story. They mostly told one side, their side. They were far from objective, a word that journalists would not use to describe their work until the late 19th century. Anyone and anything were fair game for the scandal mongers of colonial era. Their mixture of news and opinion was the forerunner of advocacy journalism in the United States, a style of partisan commentary that eventually found its way on the editorial page which were introduced in 1850, and then into talk radio and internet blogs. What the fuck do we have now, dipshits? What the fuck do we have now? Hmm. Interesting. So, before I get into dogging people... Here's just a normal American's take. It's not Google. It's not fucking Facebook. It's the fact that Gannett bought out all local news. I subscribed to the Leaf Chronicle. It is the Clarksville, Tennessee newspaper. I read the Leaf Chronicle. Within its pages, which were many... It was a thick front page, a decent sports section, and a local. It's not a huge paper. It's not the New York Times. But it was a decent-sized paper. Consider I've lived in so many places in the military. I, I can compare to other places. It was much bigger. You had liberal points of view. You had conservative points of view. You had everybody's points of view. And you had a lot of great local news. Once Gannett started gobbling up all local news... It turned into USA Today cut and paste. Now, those that have been listening to this podcast for a long time know that I do not like the USA Today. I think it's a liberal fucking rag. When I used to travel for a living for 13 years after the military, hotels learn, don't give me that USA Today. I'm going to bring it down and make a scene. I told you I didn't want it. Why did you give it to me? I'm not a liberal. But that's all these papers were, papers were. The 20 page front section became 10 page with cut and paste USA Today liberal diatribe. I didn't want to read it. I canceled my subscription 10 years ago because that's when it happened here. So this was a matter, it was just a matter of time if this was going to happen. When you gobble up all the news and you run it out of one agency, With one point of view. For fuck's sake, why do I want it? If I want liberal shit, I'll subscribe to the New York Times or WAPO. Or I'll just watch fucking CNN from morning to night and get just fed with nothing but grape Kool-Aid. That's the way it is. So, they're going to blame... Other things because they don't want to just see that it's them. It is what capitalism is. It what it's what happens when you just gobble up and you have a monopoly from one point of view. They're gonna try to blame everything, including Trump, for all this shit. So here are some of the things. This is uh Chloe Ngaya, A-N-G-Y-A-L. Like so many talented and lovely journalists, I was laid off today. If you're in the market for opinion editor with huge and diverse Rolodex or columnists with 10 years of writing about gender politics and a literal PhD in romantic comedies under her belt, talk to me. For those who are wondering, HuffPost's opinion, the entire section is being eliminated. The beautiful, diverse, inclusive baby we built from scratch is gone. Somebody says, a colonist with 10 years of writing about gender politics. The entire section is being eliminated. Coincident? I think not. <laughs> Here are some of the things this lady said. And, of course, I got this from uh, Twitchy. Our goal for the month were less than 50% white authors. Check. Asian representation that matches or exceeds the U.S. population. Check. More trans and non-binary, check, but I want to do better. Month two of HuffPo Opinion is almost done. This month we published 63% women, including trans women, 53% writers of color. Wow. That's really interesting that you're pretty biased. Somebody unearthed Nathan Hale. Um, Nathan Hale's tweet from a long time ago. We covered it on the show. Liz Heron tweeting, notice anything about this HuffPost editor meeting? All female white girls. There's not a black person there. There's a couple that you could say a Latina maybe, but I I, I don't know. Some of their articles that they've put out. Far from radical, the Gillette commercial is actually deeply traditional. Even conservative in its deception, or depiction, excuse me, a masculinity. I, that was a Freudian slip. Great piece by the op-ed project leader. An article by Rebecca Klein. Karen Pence got a job this week at a private school, but her school makes job applicants sign a pledge against homosexuality, transgender identity, and any violation of the unique roles of male and female. Brian Magers. We clap and call them job creators, even when the only job involved are for lawyers and the kind of accountants who know the difference, differential tax sheltering benefits between the Cayman Islands and Cyprus. It was L, L Wood goes to Washington. It was Senator Rick, Re, Rita Skeeter. It was an act of bisexual femme rebellion by Leburn, by Lily LeBurn. That was treated by Chloe Engel. Two weeks after the 2016 election, I wrote about the proliferation of Harry Potter memes being shared as inspiration for activism and resistance. It was called, What Would Hermone Do? She'd Fight Like This. That was an article done by Chloe Engel. Unionize your newsroom, folks. I'm proud we did, and I'm proud to be a member. Chloe Engel. Do you think maybe it's because you only put your product out for 30% of the country? Maybe 30%? Could that have something to do with it? Punishment. Punished Venom Patrick George. I believe there's a special dedicated section of hell just for people with anime Twitter avatars who tell laid off journalists to learn to code. Max Kennery. These are journalists. There is their own sad, pathetic lives. No person who is at all happy grabs an anime avatar and goes shitposting at people who just lost their jobs. You know, here's a news flash. Journalists. I made it quite evident on this show. I left the military after 20 years. Combat vet. Joined a company where I could put my skills and I excelled. I went from an assistant manager to the director of a division of retail stores for my beloved U.S. Calvary, a company that had been around since 1973. By the time we were done with Holder's Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, or Foreign Corrupt, what was it called, Foreign, Corrupt Foreign... Sales Act or some shit. I can't even remember the fucking name. It's been so long. And went through a lawsuit that was all bullshit where 20 companies were indicted. Nobody got punished, but we did get punished because we couldn't sell overseas by the State Department run by Hillary Clinton. And then we lost vendors because nobody wants to deal with somebody who's under investigation by the State Department. And then we dealt with all the fucking regulations this or that administration put down on this little company of 200 people. We don't exist. I rode two buyouts. By the second buyout, after 13 years of dedicated service, working six days a week, 80-hour weeks, not being home, just like I was in the military, that company doesn't exist there wasn't a single article written about the small businesses being put out of business by the regulations of the Obama administration, specifically the fucking ACA. None of you trolled your little fucking asses out of the fucking Beltway or New York or LA and went out and met real people. Chuck Todd didn't step off his pedestal of educated people are so smart and talk to the little folks because we're just flat earthers, as we'll see later in one of his comments. And do an article on it, because he was the dear leader. You believed in free medical care for everybody that, I don't know who's paying for it, but that's your world. You believed in free college. You believed in all these fucking free phones. All the shit that his administration shoved down the neck of the American people, who didn't vote for that, because that's 30% of the country that believes his bullshit, you didn't write those stories. But now I'm supposed to feel sorry for a a fucking whole industry that spends all its time saying I'm evil because I'm Christian. I'm evil because I'm conservative. I'm a racist because I'm white. I'm a horrible human being because I believe in traditional marriage. I'm a piece of shit because I believe there should be restrictions on abortion and that the New York bill is just fucking heinous. You gosnelled abortion. You found a law to make sure that the gosnells of the world would be protected. Because he's a hero, but I'm a loser. That's all you put out at HuffPo. BuzzFeed, CNN, New York Times. Jesus Christ, we do Covington today. There's four separate articles still about Covington. And the horrible motherfuckers, parents and kids... Who would go to a pro-life march and wear a dreaded mega hat. That's what you put out. And you blame Google ad revenue for your downfall. You have a museum you made for yourself. That's like the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Every time we covered the museum, museum, excuse me, on this show, it was a liberal screening of vice. It was a liberal screening of, oh, those Republicans are pieces of shit. It was a pro screening of, oh, look at abortion is the coolest thing ever. Look at those poor illegal immigrants. Why can't you understand it's you? I tweeted this individual, and I hope he listened. Uh, His handle is at B-E-N-E-V-O-L-E-N-T-R-W-D-S. Legitimate LARPer. Love this guy. Been following him since I started Twitter. Never talked to him. But he's just got some great stuff. And he took the painstaking time to match up all the people who got fired and articles they recently did. And I think by the end of reading this, and it's a lot, but this man went through all the work, or woman, I don't know, individual, I don't want to insult him, literally went through all this shit to compile it. So I'm reading them all. Because by the time you're done with this, I, I, you people out in San Jose, because I get a lot of listens to San Jose, listen to this. If you can sit and say Fox News, Daily Caller, Breitbart are evil conservatives. They're not real journalists, as Chuck Todd will say. Why can't you see that HuffPo and BuzzFeed is not real journalism? They're liberals who happen to have a degree in romantic comedy. Is that what she fucking said? But most of them have journalism degrees. And they're progressive. Their bent is progressive. There's nothing wrong with admitting that our media has a left and right aspect. Maybe if the media could actually acknowledge that they have a left bent, they wouldn't lay off a thousand fucking people. Subscriptions wouldn't be dropping. I mean, remember, remember when I I got the New York Times, I paused for a second. I got the puppy today. I can't put him in his cage or she won't be able to hear me, so... Deal with the growling in the background. Why, why can't they admit they have the bent? Maybe if they admit they have the slant, just like Fox News has its slant, you could put out a better product. You could put more objective pieces in the news. You could put more pro-life articles. Just have an op-ed by a pro-life person. Or have an op-ed by a person who truly believes a fucking red hat isn't racist. It is the person's soul wearing the hat. And that good people who aren't racist wear mega hats. And good people who aren't racist wear Black Lives Matter hats. Or maybe just do an article that Antifa is fucking evil. But just one. One article. The Oregonian finally did. I think we read it on the show. After their city kept catching on fire. They finally did, okay, maybe this is bad. Maybe we shouldn't coddle these fucking crazy motherfuckers. I don't know. I mean, maybe if you could admit it, you wouldn't be here. But back to Legitimist LARPers tweets. Brian Mager. The mega teens are bad, but you know who's worse? The adults who took them to a misogynistic political event wearing racist... Political paraphernalia. Hi, y'all. So, so so some sad news. As of this morning, HuffPost opinion section is no more. I and the rest of the team have been let go. Let's take a pause for a second. Are the kids that go to the March for Life anti-misogynist? I mean, do we need an article about that? About how maybe it's wrong to take kids to fucking protest, period. Especially Toddlers. Or to strap fucking vaginas to fucking six-year-olds, which is what you people did. But you thought that was okay. Won't even get into the racist clothing. Oh, okay. a hat's racist. Got it. Nick Wing, former North Carolina governor, says it's tough finding a job because people think he's a bigot. Let this be a lesson. This isn't journalism. That's an opinion. After nine nine years at HuffPo, I've been let go alongside some amazing talents. I managed to survive the aggregate turbine and so much more here, but couldn't escape layoffs. Let me know if you're looking for a reporter, editor, to cover anything on guns, drugs, criminal justice, which means nothing but liberal sources. Lauren mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Bassett, how is that anti-Catholic? Retweet T.P. Carney at Skonus anti-Catholic chant goes up, keep your rosaries off my ovaries. Some personal news, I've been laid off along with some of my incredible colleagues. It's been a wonderful eight years at HuffPost, and I'll miss my newsroom family more than anything. If anyone is looking for a culture, gender, politics reporter, long form and short, I'm available. Chloe Engel, A-N-G-Y-A-L. I married myself, a strange and satisfying journey in the standing up for what actually matters like so many talented and lovely journalists I was laid off today. This is the Rolodex PhD of romantic comedies that I just read. Caroline J Romero Moreno, excuse me. This is her tweet as of 27 January 2017. Resist 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 self-care resist resist resist. She's not biased. Okay. One of her stories, Gabby Rivers on the importance of being and creating a queer Latinx superheroine. After six years of post, I've been laid off. I'm so proud of the work I've done to uplift Latinx voices here and will miss everyone. If you're looking for a bilingual Latina journalist to cover pop culture, identity, marginalized communities, health, etc., DM me. Andy McDonald. It is important to see the full video, but the behavior of these particular Hebrew Israelites and Catholic schoolboys basically reinforces what I've always believed. Religion is toxic. Sadly, I was among those laid off at HuffPost today. In five years there, I started a lot, a lot of lifelong friendships. That newsroom is my New York City family. Love them clearly, dearly, excuse me. I couldn't possibly pick a favorite store or headline from my time. No, wait, I totally can. New York City Pizza Rat is now a sexy Halloween costume. So you pushed a fake story. Okay. Life wellness. Everything you need to know about getting an IUD. Meredith, Me- Mindcheck, Milnick, M E L N I C K, coming out of maternity leave, Twitter hiatus to say that the entire health team was eliminated. Players do not sleep on these exceptional, talented feature reporters: Lauren Weber, H P, Aaron Schumacher, Carito, Julieta, Anna la la I don't know how to say that name. Clips and endorsement in my profile. Here's a pause on this. If a normal company in society fired a lady coming off maternity leave, there would be a lawsuit and the fucking Justice Department would show the fuck up. You can't do that. HuffPo just did. Where's the article in journalists? While you fired a person on maternity leave, most companies reassign, realign, move her someplace. They don't touch that. FMLA is a no-shitter ball kicker, but you're HuffPo. You're an ally. Okay. Trish Bendix, shut your mouth. That's buddy, folks. I'm so sorry. I, I couldn't do this on Sunday. I wish I could because this dog is just ruining my podcast. Women in states with Catholic hospitals can't access health care and queer women can't get the help they need to reproduce. LGBT Media 15. And last week, I was among the eight full-time editors and social staffers, as well as an additional eight contractors laid off by Grindr when the dating app decided to shutter 18 months into its digital publication for the LGBT community. Wow. It's surprising that a person that writes articles that's only focused for 4.5% of the country that is gay and the 0.07% that's transgender Doesn't get that that's not a product a lot of people want to have. Maybe it's me. What to expect when you're a trans dad expecting (laughs) 0.07 percent of the country? We've heard overwhelming from LGBT people. Thank you for expanding what it means to be a man, to be trans, to be a family. Sarah carlin After six years, my time is up at BuzzFeed. It's always been about the people here and the who are these the best damn people? Love y'all forever and ever, I'll miss, miss the echo chamber, which Chuck Todd always says about conservatives, the echo chamber. It's clearly obvious, we're, we're only a quarter of the way through legitimate LARPer tweets. It's a fucking echo chamber. It's the same shit over and over. We tried the first sex toy made from transmasculine people. The more we talk about it, the more we can start to feel more comfortable in our own bodies. Branson LB. I was laid off today from my dream job at BuzzFeed. First thing first, if you're looking for or looking to hire someone for a shooter, editor, producer staff or freelance position, please hit me up. Here's my reel and he's shirtless. Or it's a shirtless reel. I don't know if that's him or it looks like it's him. Wow. 41 things you should know about abortions and the doctors who perform them. I'm in constant battle to help women and it can be exhausting sometimes. But the good days outweigh the bad ones. Carolyn Key. Today I found out I was laid off for BuzzFeed News along with the rest of the health desk and many other brilliant reporters, writers, and editors. I would have celebrated four years here in May I'm so proud of all the work we've done here and immensely grateful. We pushed killing more babies. Your mother's proud. Alan Bennett at Sundance this week. This is us is reminding me that I'd really love to see a happily married couple go through with an abortion on TV because that's so important. Yep. Yep. Today's my last day at BuzzFeed. It's been a while, almost four years. It was time for me to move on. I'm going to be freelancing for a bit in an editorial and on screenwriting, so hit me TF up, Alan Casey Bennett at Gmail, and my DMs are open. John R. Stanton. I was raised Catholic and I identify as such, despite my many disagreements with the church, the priest who taught me the scripture also taught me about the church's hand and the genocide of the First Nation, which makes the Covington High School students so troubling. I've been laid off, extraordinarily proud of the work I and my colleagues have done during my six and a half years of BuzzFeed. It was an extraordinary group of reporters and editors to work with. Here's a theme halfway through. They even write their layoff shit the same. It's like a talking points memo. For liberal journalists. Let's all just say the thing. Say the same fucking thing. Arian Lang. This is next to my front door to remind me she's always watching over my abortion rights. A needlepoint, a RBG. Other article. you never be able to unsee the giant vagina lesbian sex scene. Vagina is the warmest color is the anthropomorphized giant vagina lesbian coming of lesbian coming-of-age story you didn't know you needed. Getting laid off is like the bat mitzvah of journalism. Hello, world. Today I am a woman. Where are you going to be able to push that extremist fucking position on abortion? Hmm. I have to go to a lot of women's marches, I guess. Louis Peltzman. Offensive Indian mascots, stereotypical portrays in film and TV and the culturally appropriated headdresses you insist on wearing to Coachella contribute to the dehumanization of Native American culture making it easier for a racist asshole teen to laugh at the real thing. Hail, hail, MC. If you felt the need to backtrack anything you said or felt about Covington teen, I really don't fuck with you. They're winning now. I am so ashamed of everyone who apologized to them. Because he wants to stick with the story. And then this. After six years, my time at BuzzFeed has come to an end. I'm really proud of the work I've done here. And I'm grateful to all you who have supported me over the years as I bigoted my way through journalism. It's pride. It's Ramadan. And it still isn't easy to be an LGBT Muslim. Hannah Allum. Got the dreaded layoff call, like many others. Forever grateful to BuzzFeed News for giving me a dream job for two years. It was an honor to work with so many brilliant journalists, and especially peerless editors Tina and Marissa. No idea what's next, but if you're hiring, let's talk, because we need more fake stories about LGBT Muslims, because we're not going to tell the truth that we throw gay people off roofs over there. And here, just saying, I ain't down with gay marriage makes us the bad guys. Okay. Yeah, okay. Which once again for the record, I don't give a fuck about gay marriage, but I'm just saying that's what we say. America is a homophobic country because we didn't want gay marriage and we don't want to play with your ninety-five fucking pronouns. But the Muslims and Islamists that you protect, they throw motherfuckers off roofs. But you don't do stories on it. Cause you're Buzzfeed. Or Huffpo. Or CNN. Jessica Luther, dangerous. Go back to being fired, white. Santa? I think she meant to say Satan. Megan Kelly. Media rush to judgment in Covington is typical and dangerous. Pundit journals now feel the need to amend attacks. Those accused of bad behavior as a means of proving said pundits are virtuous as it's if it's about them. Maybe. And the tweet's no longer there because she cut and pasted it. So it looks like this will be my last column at HuffPo. It was my 28th, a full year of doing them. They have ended their op-ed section. I'm very thankful and I had this opportunity, especially grateful to Jolie Rancher, who was an excellent and patient editor. Jessica Luther, her last column. What happened on Friday near the Lincoln Memorial, what happened in Arrowhead Stadium on Sunday, throws into sharp relief why native mascots need to go. Right now, full stop. My latest from HuffPo. Mm. Yeah, those Tomahawk chocks and FSU and Trojans and Chiefs. It's not spirit. It's racism. Okay. Brett Kavanaugh defenders are sending a message. Women aren't people. Tala Levin. Behind them, having taken them to a march to crush women's reproductive rights, smiling with the bettitude of vitriolic self-righteousness. I don't... Opinion column at Vigilant Voice, then a billionaire snapped his finger and closed the whole publication. So HuffPo snatched it up. Now the opinion section is gone with the amazing editors I work with. This business sucks. Well, maybe a Tala Levin, you not just put your articles once again to fucking 30% of the country, you wouldn't be there. Randy Miller, Pride is an opportunity not just for the LGBTQ EIEIO community to celebrate, but for the non-LGBTQ people to repent and to enter into a more hostilistic, Christ-like way of being. Okay. Just letting y'all know, it's been an honor. I'm shit-canned. What did she want to be in? Race, politics, evangel... Evangelic chism christian culture she so she's a christian who pushes we all need to suck up to gay and transgender people i didn't see that in my bible maybe it's me anna almendry we need to listen to the women who have had late-term abortions before pushing such arbitrary and cruel laws Today, my story about the psychological toll of federal shutdown is splashed in HuffPo. It's also my last day on the job, along with my health department. Shutdown wreckage. A deal can't fix it. Oh, fuck me, upside down running. He shattered stereotypes that came out as a gay in the Muslim community. An inspirational story of an Arab American who announced his gay in a very public way. Doyle and Richard. This is this week on my HuffPo advice column. A well-meaning white mom asked if she experienced racism because she had been treated poorly by people of color. Spoiler alert, she hasn't. Here's why. A lot of extremely talented people are shit-canned. Then the, this cartoonist they're all crying about. I'm transgender. You got a problem with that, punk? A drill sergeant looking down at Trump. Speaking of holding women in cap- captivity... The elephant in a jail holding a bunch of women with women causes. Did you see Steve Benson's cartoon today? These are the words we sadly will no longer say. And Lauren Bassett, Verizon Owned South Post for facing layoffs this week, really glad we unionized. Okay, wait a minute, but you are Union. You like union. you love union. Unions are why the Democrats win elections. You push for unions, but the union didn't work for you. Okay. So, once again, Legitimist LARPER at Benevolent RWDS. You are the man. I thank you for putting this together. It is awesome and a great representation of why capitalism works. Do we actually need all these fucking people saying the same shit? So to speed out of the section, local newspapers have already been gutted. There's nothing left to cut. The ugly future of corporate news, they take down Gannett, briefly, in an article on CNN. David French, last year conservative wives looked at the furious attack on Kavanaugh and thought, that could be my husband. Now conservative moms look at the wild attempt to destroy the Covenant kids and think, That could be my son, Brian Butler, a journalist. Do conservative women all marry abusive lying men and raise children in that image? Or do they simply lack the empathy to see past their families to the people affected by their actions? Why didn't he get fired? Anna Navarro, dear Democrats, you have one job, picking a nominee who can earn the support of enough American voters, hopefully including right-leaning independent and Republicans like me, who abhor Trump, required to win the Electoral College, I'm begging you, focus, don't screw up. Jennifer Rubin, in every administration debacle, Jared is a front and center. This is the syndrome of rich people who they are smart. That's not even fucking English. But those two are conservatives in journalism. Journalism. This is why you lose your people. And Cheryl Atkinson sums it up. I'm going to speed read through the 69 instances just in two years that our media has pushed false stories about a sitting president. False stories. Let me try to just do it really quick, because we've covered this before. But I I just want to hammer the whole... I just got to hammer this home. One, August 2016 and November 2016. The New York Times published modeling photos of Trump's wife Melania and reported they were taken in '95. Various news outlets realized the date to imply that Melania an immigrant and violated her visa status, but the media got the date wrong. Politico was among the news agencies that later issued a photo date, Correction, October 1st, 2016, New York Times and other media widely suggested or implied that Trump had not paid income taxes for 18 years. October 18th, WAPO piece, not labeled opinion or analysis, Stuart Rothenberg reported that Trump's path to Electoral College victory was non-existence. November 4th, USA Today misstates Melania Trump's arrival day from Slovenia. November 9th, early on election night, the Defor- Detroit Free Press called the state of Michigan for Hillary, but Trump won Mich- Michigan. January 20th, CNN claimed Nancy Sinatra was not happy at her father's song being used at Trump inauguration. It's not true. January 20th, 2017, Zeke Miller Time reported Martin Luther King bus was moved, but somebody was standing in front of it, and then he had to correct it. January 26th, Josh Rogan and WAPO reported that the State Department entire senior administrative team had resigned. Not true. 28th of January, CNBC John Harwood reported the Justice Department had no input on Trump's immigration executive order. January 31st, Jeff Zellini of CNN reported the White House set up Twitter accounts for two judges to try to keep Trump's selection for Supreme Court secret. Zellini later corrected his report, stated the Twitter accounts had not been set up by the White House. February 2nd, TMZ reported Trump changed the name of Black History Month to African American History Month. Uh, that's a lie. February 2nd, 2017, AP reported that Trump had threatened the president of Mexico with invasion to get rid of bad hombres. February 4th, Josh Rogan of WAPO, a lot of Josh Rogan in here, reported an inside the White House cabinet battle over Trump's immigration order, only to have the article updated, repeated to note that one of the reported meetings had not actually occurred. February 14th, 2017, the New York Times, Michael S. Smith, Mark Mazari, Matt Apuzzo reported about supposed contact between Trump campaign, and senior Russian intelligence officials. This is like number 10 already of a thousand we've had that are all false. CNN still does the Chiron. ProPublica's Raymond Bonner reported CIA official Gina Get- spell Trump's latest, later pick a CIA director, was in charge of a secret CIA prison. April 5th, 2017. An article byline by New York Times graphic editor Karen Yorish and Troy Riggs To Trump, referred to Trump's daughter Ivanka as Trump's wife. May 10th, multiple outlets including Politico, New York Times, WAPO, CNN, AP, Reuters, and Wall Street Journal reported that same leaked information that Trump fired FBI Director James Conley shortly after Comey requested additional resources to investigate the Russian interference. That's all bullshit. May 27th, BBC James Landale, The Guardian, and others reported that Trump wasn't bothering to listen to translation during a speech. June fourth, NBC News reported in a tweet that Russian President Putin told TV host Megyn Kelly that he was compromising if he has compromising information on Trump. He said he had the opposite. June sixth, CNN Borger, Lichbaugh, Tapper, Rocus, and ABC's Justin Fischel and Jonathan Call reported that Comey was going to refute Donald Trump's claim that Comey told Trump three times he was not under investigation. Do you remember that? I do. June 7th, in a fact check story, AP reported erroneously that Trump misread the potential cost of family with insurance under the Affordable Care Act. June 8th, New York Times' Jonathan Weissman reported that Comey testified Trump Attorney General Jeff Sesson told Comey not to call the Russian probe an investigation, but a matter. June 22nd, CNN's Thomas Frank reported that Congress was investigating a Rushman Investment Fund ties to Trump. December 2nd, Brian Ross debacle. July 6th, Newsweek's Chris Riota and others reported Poland First Lady refused to shake hands with Trump. July 6th, the New York Times Haberman, CNN and numerous outlets and long reported as if the fact that Hillary's claimed that there were 17 American agencies, there's not. Dylan, uh, August 31st, Ken Dillian and NBC report that Trump's official notes about a meeting with a Russian lawyer include the word donation. Like they read them or something. September 6th, Chris Saliza and other news outlets declare Trump lied when he stated the Trump Tower had been wiretapped. It was. September 7th, Maggie Hammerman reported Democratic leader Pelosi called Trump about an immigration issue. Trump actually called Pelosi. November 6th, these are CNN's, Daniel Shane edited excerpts from a Trump event to make it seem as though Trump didn't realize Japan built cars in the U.S. November 6th, CNN edited a video with the fucking koi fish. They did it on purpose. November 29th, Chris Riota again claimed Ivanka Trump plagiarized one of her own speeches. December 4th. The New York Times' Michael S. Schmidt and Sharon Near and other outlets reported Trump's deputy national security advisor, KT McFarlane, supposedly contradicted herself or lied about other official contacts with Russia. The story was heavily repeated on all the news networks, and it was all bullshit. December 4th, 2017, ABC News' Trish Turner and Jack Date report former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort had recently worked with Russian intelligence connected official, but the Russian wasn't official. December 5th, 2017, Bloomberg, Stephen Ahrens, and Wall Street Journal Jerry Strasberg reported that the blockbuster that Special Counsel Robert Mueller and subpoenaed Trump's bank records. December 8th, Manu Raji and Jeremy Herb of CNN reported that Donald Trump Jr. conspired with WikiLeaks. leaks. January 3rd, 2018, Talking Points Memo, Sam Thielman, all you have to say is Talking Points Memo, and you know it's biased, reported that Russian social media company provided documents to state about communication with Trump officials. It was corrected, of course. It's all bullshit. January 12th, media, mediaites: Lawrence Bonk, CNN, Sophie Tatum, Guardian, BBC, US News, and News World Report, Reuters and BuzzFeed, Alfonso Flores, report a bombshell that Trump had backed down from his famous demand for a wall. Fifteenth of January, AP's Lori Kelman and Jonathan Drew report that a new report showed trust in the media had fallen during the Trump presidency. That's bullshit. February second, AP's Tucker Jolnick Day report that ex British spy Christopher Steele opposition research against Trump was initially funded by conservative publication Washington Free Beacon. March eighth, New York Times Jan Rosen report on a hypothetical family whose tax bill would rise to nearly four thousand on Trump's plan. It was bullshit. It would go down $43. March 13th, New York Times' Adam Goldman, NBC's Nora O'Donnell, and AP Dem, uh, Deb Reichman reported that Trump picked for CIA director Gina Haspel was waterboarding motherfuckers herself. March 15th, AP's Besker, Pearson, and Horowitz report the Trump Advisory Board official had been a Miss America contestant and had killed a black rhino. April 1st, AP Riccolo Riccardi reported the Trump administration and ended a program to mid foreign entrepreneurs. April 30th, AP reported that NRA had banned guns during Trump and Pence speeches. May 3rd, NBC's Tom Winter report the government had wiretapped Trump's personal attorney, Michael Cohen. May 7th, CNBC's De- Kevin Bruning reported that Trump's personal lawyer, Cohen, paid $1 million in fines. May 16th, May was a good month for the media. New York Times' Julie Hirschfield Davis, AP, CNN, Oliver Darcy, and other expected, uh, or CNN's Oliver Darcy, excuse me, ex- exerted a Trump comment as if he had referred to immigrants or illegal immigrants generally as animals. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I lost on the show. May twenty eighth, the New York Times magazine editor in chief Jake Silverton and CNN's Hadass Gold shared a story with photos of immigrant children in cages. The articles from bombers, there, you motherfuckers. That shit pissed me off. May twenty the New York Times Julie Davis reported that the estimated size of Trump rally to be one thousand. It was five thousand. June first, in a story about Trump's tariff, AP reported dollar value of Virginia farm and forestry exports to Canada, Mexico was eight hundred. It's eight hundred million. Uh, June 21st, Time Magazine and others used a photo of a crime in Honduras. It was fake. That one pissed me off. June 22nd, MSDNC personally mistakenly stated that Trump had banned the Red Cross from going in for uh, illegal immigrants. Uh, June 28th, after newsroom shooting, a newspaper reportedly false said, the shooter had a Trump hat. Yeah. No bias. NBC reporter Leigh Ann Caldwell reported that outgoing Supreme Court Justice Kennedy only retired after months of Trump pushing him to retire. July 16th, WAPO reporter implied Trump doesn't understand NATO countries. September 14th, the New York Times issued a major correction below to to an original unfair article about Haley, uh, this 18th. Of September, New York Times falsely reports that a man-marked judge testified he remembered an incident more than 30 years ago about Brett Kavanaugh. September 23rd, multiple news outlets report that Deputy Attorney General Ron Rosenstein had resigned or been fired. NBC, on the October 14th, falsely reports that President Trump praised Robert E. Lee. November 14th, Jeff Zellini from CNN reports that President Trump has decided to fire a Deputy National Security Advisor upon the First Lady's demand. December 26th, NBC reports that Trump was the first president not to go to a war zone. Everybody followed suit. January 1st, CBS News claimed in June of 2018 that Trump spokesman Sarah Huckabee Sanders would retire by the end of the year. She didn't. She's still there. January 9th, the New York Times issued a correction. Report the falsely stated former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort asked for campaign polling to be given to Russia. That whole story is bullshit. I'm not reading it all. It's too much. January 11th, Fox Affiliate did a doctor video. January 18th, Buzzfeed exclusives with anonymous source lie. New York Times on January 22nd and WAPO are among the publications that issue corrections after falsely reporting that anti-Trump activists had served in Vietnam War. And even Cup had to say... was wrong and then lastly the UK apologizes I had a great article we're at 51 minutes I'm gonna read Charles Cook how the media fails next podcast because it's really good it's spot the fuck on so we will start the show with that on Friday but we're gonna end this segment and go into a music break, which is... Uh, what the fuck am I playing today? I grabbed... Uh, mm, where the hell is it? Flyleaf! I'm playing Flyleaf. So sick. Fucking love Flyleaf. Um, and then we'll go into our next segment. We're gonna play Tom Brokaw, saying that he's had Republicans come forward and say they're embarrassed of their black grandchildren. This was just fucking yesterday. And... And this is literally Pelosi and Cuomo and Tobin. Why does this make the news? What if it's Pelosi talking about she plants fake news? It was at a conference. If a conservative ever said that, that would be fucking horrible. So, music break, after a sign bite, and then we're going into hate tweets. Thanks again to Legitimate LARPer. You the man. Enjoy. I see it's reported
7: in the press that this, 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 and this, so they have that validation that the press reported the smear, and then it's called the wrap-up smear. Now I'm going to merchandise the press's report on the smear that we made. And it's it's a tactic, and it's it's, it's self-evident.
6: So did you catch that? What she says is you start out with something that's a lie... And you throw it out there and then the press picks up on it and they write stories about it. And you say, see, it's written in the press, so it must be true. (laughs) This is exactly what they did with Trump. They demonized him. It was all fake about the Russia collusion. This is what they did with Kavanaugh. Is it
12: impeachable? Look, it doesn't have to be a crime to be impeachable. It is whatever Congress says it is. And we've never had a sitting president stand accused of seeking to coordinate or exploit the efforts of a foreign power, let alone an inimical one, let alone Russia, in their attempts to interfere in an election, let alone efforts that were meant to be to his benefit in his election. This is
11: serious stuff. Boy, I I have a different view of the implications of all this. My view is... This is a me- the, the the larger message that a lot of people are going to take from this story is that the news media are a bunch of leftist liars who are dying to get the president and they're willing to lie to do it. Well that, that, and, and and I I don't think that's true. Uh, but but is that you no know, uh, what is that different? I mean, that's not. That's well, a I, mean, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I mean, I'm focused on the history, media right. side. Preach yeah, talking right. about the law enforcement right. side. But I mean, they're not they're not contradictory. But I just think this is a bad day for us. And, and you know, there's no. I mean, I don't know, Brian. Right. You seem I, to I, disagree a little bit. I, but I just think you know, it reinforces every bad stereotype about the news media.
4: That's right. What, like it's and a lot of this we don't want to talk about. But the fact is, on the Republican side, a lot of people see the rise of an extraordinary important new. In American politics, Hispanics who will come here and all be Democrats. Also, I hear when I push people a little harder, I don't know whether I want brown grandbabies. I mean, th- that's also a part of it. It's the intermarriage that is going on and the cultures that are conflicting with each other. I also happen to believe that the Hispanics should work harder at assimilation. That's one of the things I've been saying for a long time. You know, that they ought not to be just codified in their communities, but make sure that all their kids are learning to speak English and that they feel comfortable in the communities. And that's going to take outreach on both sides, frankly.
0: at the media bubble one podcast at a time here's tony reed
2: Hate
15: hey, tweet of the day for decades and NBC's Meet the Press was the gold standard for balanced political debate and commentary. Not anymore. Chuck Todd and Meet the Press are banning climate views that are based on real-world scientific data. Instead, promoting only alarmists who generate fear to push for higher taxes and energy rationing. Americans deserve an open debate on climate change. Chuck Todd and NBC's Meet the Press stop denying the real climate debate.
3: Yeah, I derailed in that first segment. I apologize. <laughs> that's an hour and forty-eight minutes. I promised I was going to keep this under three hours, so we're going to have to condense everything. But that section is just—it's too good. Anybody who's been with the show for the last two and a half years, I—I I hate the media. So it's going to hate hate tweets. You heard an ad that's going against Chuck Todd. His reply is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Contrary to Chuck Todd and Alarmist, there's a real debate among scientists, if not television journalists, about the extent of warming and its effects. Although the computer models predict rapid warming and actual temperature data shows only a modest rate of warming, real-world data demonstrates a pol- pol- policies supported by climate alarmists unwarranted. Huge tack hikes and energy rationing will cripple our economy, especially hurting those who can least afford it. But when he was pressed on this, by this, this CEI president, his exact statement is, Is very disappointing they chose to deny their audience a full range of views, barring climate policy results, whose positions are based on real-world scientific data, limits discussion to pre-approved outcomes, and forecloses initiative policy solutions. NBC has made it perfectly clear they have no interest in hosting an open debate on climate change or policy alternatives for the environment, as evidenced by their decision to reject both guests on air and paid ads during programs to give excerpts views shared by millions of Americans. He was pressed by it this week, and I think it was on Daily Shows Noah, yeah. Um, I think too often we covered, covered up is the wrong word. We sort of almost rounded the edges of what we saw. We gave a better picture because it's almost like, oh, that's an ugly picture. The country doesn't want to see that. We should make it better. Rip a Band-Aid off and let's see it. This is about the coverage of Trump. Moving on, Noah Tatted Todd for his impressive and revolutionary show on climate change and brazenly banned any skeptics. I also didn't invite anybody who didn't believe in the moon landing and I also didn't invite anyone who was flat earther. Is that all right? He said to a loud cheering of audience. But when somebody says to you, Chuck Todd, the press should be giving everyone an equal voice, laughing Todd disagrees. No, our job is to be fair to the facts that are there. Once again, I, I pounded this guy for two years, and if you're a new listener... DNC staffer, wife's Jennifer Palmieri's besties, threw a birthday party during the election. This guy is not a journalist. He's never been a journalist. He cut his teeth on MSDNC, folks. Then he went over to NBC. So, yeah. Great article. I can't remember the author. How Twitter Could Be the Death of Liberal Democracy. Um, it was from, I want to say, Town Hall or The Federalist and read it. Just read it. I truly believe all our division is a media that's about clickbait and partisan bullshit and your CNNs and your MSDNCs and your Fox at night that just rile up people and get them tribal. But Twitter is just fucking horrible. Any way you cut it, Twitter is just fucking horrible, man. Nobody learns on Twitter. People just Push their view and dig their heels. Amanda Turkle. This will never make our media. Joni Ernest is divorcing her hub husband. Says he assaulted her after she confronted him about an affair. Says she was the victim of verbal and mental abuse. Matthew Chapton, Chapman of Alternet. I'm sincerely sorry Ernst suffered this abuse. of abuse. Excuse me. No woman should and her husband deserves to pay for what he did to her. That said, it disturbs me. Ernst could have this experience and still disbelieve. Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. Republicanism seems to be to truly kill empathy. It didn't happen to her. That's the thing. Yeah. Wow. Others. I need to see co- corroboration. Once again, you could talk shit about conservative women, you can call them whores, you can do whatever you want. It doesn't apply. The rules don't apply. You criticize Harris, oh fuck, you're a racist, sexist piece of shit. Maggie Haberman, privately, several veterans of the Trump 2016 efforts say either that they can't see his road to 2070 right now, or that they think he can be, but he needs a course correction and he's squandering time. We've already started 2020. He can't win. Okay. We'll see how far that takes you, because that's what you said last time. Not that I think he can, but I'm just saying, the media's already pounding the drum. Already pounding the drum. I'm just really interested. That's why the next section's about it. Where are they going to go? Who are they saddling up to this time? Alyssa Milano, my righty troll friends, don't like when I curse in tweets. Fucking snowflakes. Move on this topic. Uh... Swearing is actually a sign of more intelligence, not less. That's what she tweeted with a middle finger. Then she had this wonder tweet. In the event you don't speak red hat, I think what James Wood is saying is that below tweet is, if you're a minority of any kind, sit down and shut up. Please correct me if I'm wrong. His tweet The media onslaught against white privilege, Christianity, male toxicity, all the liberal nonsense reveals a misstep by those uneducated in the power of history. The one sure thing history has taught us, never declare a race war against a majority. It won't end up well. So that's what she said. He's basically, that's Red Hat. His reply to her was priceless. I shan't engage in a battle of wits with you, Alyssa, as I have soft spot for the disadvantaged. That said, I have always been a fan. (laughs) Good for him. Eugene Wu. Jew. You know the dickhead MD. So basically, Nancy Pelosi dog-walked Trump. Cardi B herself liked it so much she quoted the tweet. And then the very liberal Dr. Jennifer Gunter Educated Cardi. Oh I am Cardi B. That person you retweeted has stalked women here on Twitter using false accounts. I love you so. Please don't amplify him. You can never be woke enough. Ian Omar, Royal and Controversy, Inc.'s two hundred and fifty K book deal. Already they're giving her a book deal. Worth $250,000 for a memoir chronicling her path to refugee to Congresswoman. The book by Omar, the first Somali American to serve in Congress, is a working title. This is what America Looks Like. Yeah, okay. But she also tweeted this stuff The U.S. back coup in Venezuela is not a solution to the dire issues they face. Trump's effort to install a far-right opposition will only incite violence and further destabilize the region. We must support Mexico, Uruguay, and Vatican's effort to facilitate a peaceful dialogue. Yashar Ali. Another day in another questionable tweet by Ian Minnesota. In this case, boasting praise from Rani who has written many times to for RT, Kremlin controlled media? Important to note that Congresswoman Omar serves as the Foreign Affairs Committee. It gets worse. Rani also worked for in the Dow, another Kremlin funded outlet, a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee like Ihan, Minnesota, shouldn't be boosting propagandas funded by foreign adversaries. Yesterday, Congresswoman Ian, I am just going to say Omar, I can't say her fucking name, retweeted Abby Martin, who most recently worked for Teles Sur, the media organization primarily funded by Venezuelan government. Before that, Abby worked for RT for many years. Also, Abby refers to 9-11 as an inside job. Her response, she's got a plain, sorry for delayed response. Look, you can fundamentally disagree with someone and positively and disagree in something they have said, which the case here, I don't believe in full condemnation of humans. Yeah. I stand by the fact that we were lied to about the 9-11, which even the commission members themselves agree with. However, I don't believe it was an inside job, and it's an embarrassment to see people call themselves journalists using a six-year-old video to smear me and conflate statements I made, really, which my risking my job to speak out about Crimea. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Nate Madden. Omar urges compassion for ISIS recruits who chose violence to combat direct marginalization. No, really. She just wrote that. Yeah. Omar is a bad seed.
11: Sentencing for nine Somali-American men is set for next week in Minneapolis, but a newly elected official is asking for leniency.
5: Minnesota representative-elect Ilhan Omar wrote a letter to the judge asking for compassion instead of decades of prison time.
11: And Fox 9's Karen Scullin joins us now with what she had to say to defense attorneys and U.S. attorney Andy Luger. Karen?
6: Well, defense attorneys are asking for leniency, but so are several others who filed letters to the judge on behalf of the defendants. But U.S. prosecutors responded tonight with strong arguments why all of them should in fact receive the recommended sentence. Election night was just two days ago, but it seems Minnesota representative elect Ilhan Omar may have already made her first move as an elected official. In a letter signed November 8th, Omar asks a U.S. district judge for compassion when sentencing nine Minnesota Somali-American men convicted of trying to join the terrorist group ISIS. She says the best deterrent to fanaticism is a system of compassion. We must alter our attitude and approach if we truly want to affect change. We should refocus our efforts on inclusion and rehabilitation. But she's not the only one. Thirteen letters, including one from the Dean of Students at Minneapolis Public Schools, were also sent to the judge asking for leniency. Osman Sheikh Youssef says, I truly am honored to call Abdi Rahman my friend, and I hope that good things happen to this wonderful young man who totally deserves a second chance in life. But those letters and defense attorneys' request for a lighter sentence might not be enough to convince a judge. U.S. Attorney Andy Luger has filed a response arguing against any lightened sentence. As to the defense claims, some of the men were immature and were therefore impulsive. He says there was nothing impulsive about the defendant's decision to continue to try and reach Syria, despite the FBI's numerous attempts to stop them. And in response to Gulad Omar's defense attorneys, who characterized the men as three stooges, Luger writes to the judge, it was a very dangerous conspiracy, and that it was far from comedians engaged in slapstick comedy in black and white film. ISIL's members engage in wholesale murder, rape, and cultural annihilation. Now, sentencing will start on Monday, and it's expected to last two or three days. Kelsey and Jeff?
3: Now, I play this not to be a sexist pig, but this is the lady that says horrible shit about Israel and... Here's Peter Wolf. Oh, fuck this. Omar is now retweeting a 9-11 truther and professional conspiracy theorist who had her own show on the Russian Propaganda channel. Stupidity and ignorance are the least awful, most understandable reason for her to have done this. No. She knows what she's doing. She knows what she's doing. Her and Tlaib are fucking extremists. Just extremists. Which takes us into our tweet of the day. Today it's from American Woman, Screwed Humans, at Screwed Humans. Democrats, your hat offend me. Your American flag offends me. The national anthem offends me. Your religion offends me. Your color offends me. Your gender offends me. Your free speech offends me. Your vote offends me. Your face offends me. Did I miss anything? No. No, you didn't. To Covington. This
18: time last week, there was a story about Covington Catholic in the news, that confrontation in Washington. I don't think this ever should have been a national news story, Mm -hmm. but it went viral on Twitter. Journalists have an unhealthy relationship with Twitter, became a national story. And to me, Jess, this is another example of the information war, two different versions of what happened, no ability to see, uh, no no ability to agree
8: on what happened, uh, and a story that frankly, just ends up frustrating everybody. Remember the Parkland shooter situation where everybody was going after the students and people immediately said, you cannot go after students, you cannot say anything about students, they're minors. Yet you had the entire mainstream media establishment and celebrities descend On these high school students, smearing them, calling them racist, digging into their backgrounds, digging into the school. And no one said anything. Huge double standard. It seems like all minors should be off limits.
2: He said that those kids deserve deserve to be shot up. That's okay. I'm saying I can't care for them
8: one way or the other.
18: Bro, they would look at me and probably call me a So I don't give a fuck. I really don't. I like that's my that's my opinion. Do you understand that?
2: I understand your opinion, I just think it's disgusting.
18: The ones that wear short skirts.
2: Do they deserve to be sexually harassed? It's whatever the fuck
18: they want to wear, it's 20 fucking 19. So they don't
2: deserve it? No! Then those kids don't deserve to be shot up because they wore a MAGA you're hat. you're
9: acting ignorant...
2: What if the girl's acting stupid and leading a guy on, does he have a right to have sex with her? <laughs> you saying you won't disavow everybody threatening
18: life. It life happens, you get what's coming to you.
6: As a doctor, do you think that science is on the side of the pro-life movement? Oh, absolutely. You have to deny science to be pro-choice, I'm afraid. I'm Cassie Dillon with The Daily Wire, and today I'm at the
18: March for Life talking to people about what it means to be pro-life and what misconceptions some other people might have about people who are actually pro-life. Dear women, do you not care about women's rights? I guess not.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I am
6: a woman. Why would I hate women? Do you care about women?
14: I do. I do care
17: about women.
1: Do you care about women? Yes, I don't see how they get that from being pro life. Like, of course I care about women. They're female
6: babies, right? Right.
17: My dear brothers and sisters, I don't even know how to begin this, but I cannot tell you how disturbed I am to hear that in New York State they passed a bill whereby you can abort babies up to nine months. I'm astounded. I don't understand what's happening to this country. I don't understand what's happening. Andrew Cuomo comes from Italian-American roots. How he could let this happen and celebrate it and cheer for it and then say, no pro-lifers are allowed in New York. I don't understand it. A woman's right to privacy, a right to choice. Do you women out there really want this? None of you are outraged. The country's not outraged. You really think you can rip a baby from the womb at nine months and it's okay? When there's so many people that want adoptions? Do you not think this is savage? King Herod and the pharaohs killed the firstborn, remember that? This is a very dangerous slope we're lighting into, man. I I, I cannot tell you, I am grieving for these children. I am grieving for the women... It's astounding to me that there's not an uproar. We need to have a national uproar on this right now. This cannot be continued. I wonder if Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is okay with this. A woman. Would you abort your baby at nine months? Do you understand the ramifications of this? What's happening to our civilization? Are there no more morals? Is there no respect for human life? the sense of law and order the democratic party has become a party of chaos in the guise of helping everyone this whole it's just it's a sad sad time join me in the rosaries join me in prayer whatever over the course of his career, Dr.
9: Levitino has practiced obstetrics and gynecology in both private and university settings, including as an associate professor of OBGYN
20: at the Albany Medical College. And Dr. Levitino will begin with you. Welcome. Thank you, Chairman and members of the committee. Um, I only have five minutes, so I'm going to get right to it. Second trimester D&E abortions performed between roughly 14 and 24 weeks of gestation. Your patient today is 17 years old. She's 22 weeks pregnant. Her baby is the length of your hand plus a couple of inches. And she's been feeling her baby kick for the last several weeks. But she's asleep on an operating room table. You walk into that operating room scrubbed and gowned, and after removing laminaria, you introduce a suction catheter into the uterus. This is a 14-French suction catheter. If she were 12 weeks pregnant or less, basically the width of your hand or smaller, you could basically do the entire procedure with this. But babies this big don't fit through catheters this size. After suctioning the amniotic fluid out from around the baby, you introduce an instrument called a sofa clamp. It's about 13 inches long. It's made of stainless steel. The business end of this clamp is about two and a half inches long and a half inch wide. There are rows of sharp teeth. This is a grasping instrument. When it gets a hold of something, it does not let go. A DNA procedure is a blind abortion, so picture yourself introducing this and grabbing anything you can blindly and pull, and I do mean hard, and out pops a leg about that big which you put down on the table next to you. Reach in again, pull again, and pull out an arm about the same length which you put down on the table next to you. And use this instrument again and again to tear out the spine, the intestines, the heart and lungs. Head in the baby that size is about the size of a large plum, can't see it, but you have pretty good idea you've got it if you've got your instrument around something and your fingers are spread about as far as they go. You know you did it right if you crush down on the instrument and white material runs out of the cervix. That was the baby's brains. Then you can pull out skull pieces. And you have a day like I had a lot of times, sometimes a little face comes back and stares back at you. Congratulations. You just successfully performed a second trimester d abortion. You just affirmed her right to choose.
3: The media is just fucking trash on this. They just won't give it up. You hear seltzer and all them fuckers. AG conservative. Awful people who make funny jokes are banned. But those who harass and threaten others who are left untouched. Twitter enforcement of the rules is ridiculously arbitrary and unjust. They should stop trying to police speech. Matt Dawson. Sad news. Twitter permanently bans metric buttload. Rest in peace. Send fart jokes to pay your respect. Momo. Mo Ratty. On what planet does Metric Butlow get banned and Mr. Kids in the Woodchip are not? Yeah. So, multiple stories coming out. The Kentucky Town's reeling a large article. Planned on reading it out of time. Just way too long. Robert Barnes says, Announcing free rep of... uh, free representation to Covington boys, the leftists sent bomb threats to my office, tried to hack my social media accounts, sent false reports to my credit agency, filed false reviews on lawyer sites, and claimed they could trigger illicit audits. I still stand with Covington. Granted, he's a turd, he's just trying to make money, but that's the left. There are no stories about that. Covington Bishop ended up fucking apologizing because he was totally wrong. But here are the WAPO articles, and this is just a quick section. We just spent an hour and a half on this last podcast, um, so I know it's it's double-tapping, but I had to at least show that nothing's changed. They partially kind of said, okay, we're wrong, but... And now our journalists, they're just doubling down. Short togas and mega hats. Washington Post goes Greek to prove Covington kids were provoking. Yeah. Poor article. They go back to this is a lesson we need to consider when looking at the Washington incident, that the boys were wearing mega hats and the other Trump apparel and allowed, if not encouraged, by their chaperones to do so while it'll march for life, constitute a deliberate political act and a deliberate provocation. In our current context, it is impossible to separate the mega symbol from anti-immigrant and anti-minority views and policies. But oh, wait, there's more. Washington Post mocked for whining. Trump Internet pounced. Whole article on this. And the outrage came from a parallel universe online, one that has been waiting for a moment like this. The pro-Trump Internet has for years worked to create a media environment that is designed to destroy the traditional news media and replace it. There's a lot more in there, but I'm just going to hit that one line. Because, you know... I've been saying it forever, since I could be political, 2005, once I left the military. The media, Trump just did hope and change for the right. He just grabbed on something that he knew conservatives talk about all the time. The media has been a fucking train wreck as long as I've been alive. It was always biased. I played back in the early days when this was a format-free show. Multiple convention speech reviews by the media for the Dem and the Conservative. It was obvious. Multiple sound bites of scandals. Dem and Conservative. It was obvious. Op-eds. Everything leading up to Elections. It has always been. There's never been a New York Times, WAPO, CNN selection of a conservative. There won't be in 2020. I can honestly predict in my lifetime, I will never hear them select a Republican for president. The left could literally put up Satan. They would justify Satan's the best candidate. Other article, Washington Post fa- fashionista rips the mega hat as brimming with grotesque hubris. Yeah. Yeah. The hat has become a symbol of us versus them, of exclusion and suspicion, of garrulous narcissism, of white male privilege, of violence and hate. Time magazine slams NBC Guthrie from left for letting Covington teens defend himself. The soul of white male privilege. When all was said and done, the interview was just one more win for a PR team. But, you know, Stoneman Douglas, they can have their fucking PR team. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. New York Times ridiculous Rosenthal blames white supremacy, Covington kids, for black Israelites rants. The students imported from Kentucky wearing their mega outfits, a clear symbol of white supremacy, to the Lincoln Memorial on MLK Day, insert themselves into the situation for no apparent reason. It's tragic that Trump and his racist followers have so inflamed hatred in our country that oppressed people are fighting with each other. Oh, is that what's happening? Because I'm pretty sure those Israelite dudes will call them crackers and peckerwoods and faggots to any white person they've seen on the streets in Harlem. Because that was another definition that oh these these are normal people we're used to seeing them. Wall Street Journal, the high school deplorables, mega hats, the March for Life, Covington Catholic, and the mob. Of the most culturally deplorable boxes one can check in progressive America in 2019, the boys of Covington Catholic High School have most of them white, male, Christian, attendees at an annual March for Life in Washington, and wearers of mega hats. What's not to dislike? National Review. A crisis in citizenship. Why are, where are the adults? Spreading lies, making common cause with lunatics, a casting Attacking Kids. Large article. It's really good. And my favorite's from Stephen Miller. Some fun things to remember next time Chuck Todd decides to lecture everyone. These are the stories for NBC News. Opinion. Noah Barlatsky. Covington Catholic Kid Nick Sandman said he was a silent bystander, but his mega hat spoke for him. That was on, uh don't have the date on this one. On 124, Opinion, Bo Freelander. How the coveted Catholic boys were redeemed by the dark magic of crisis communication. Once again, right, can't have PR firms. Okay. NBC News, on the 25th, Nathan Phillips, the Native American activist who stared down by a Catholic Kentucky Catholic school student during a tense moment in Washington, D.C., said he is now able to forgive those who were involved. I never saw an article from CNN, NBC, ABC, or CBS that said these kids got treated poorly. Not a single one. But the one that's killing me and the media doesn't talk about is our segue into the AOC and DNC race for horrible. I'm going to play Joe Concha. The Exposed Christian Schools is still active. New York Times reporter asking for stories so they can do a hit piece on Christian schools. Because you Christians are pieces of shit, yo. And we'll go straight into AOC to start all the shitheads are running over there.
10: You know, conservatives spend a lot of time complaining about how tough the media are on Trump and his supporters. Okay. I don't mind it when journalists are tough. We almost never point out the real crime, which is they go soft on everybody else. Everything is cheesecloth in front of the lens, soft focus. I mean, it's disgusting, actually.
8: Yeah, the soft part, you're right about that. Read the New York Times today where they did a full feature on the black Israel rights, uh, Israel, right, Israel rights, excuse me, uh, where at, at no point do they reference the homophobic slurs that this group traffics in, the racist slurs that they traffic in. Then juxtapose this with Dan Levin, New York Times reporter, tweeted out earlier, and I, I had the producers do a full screen quote on this just so everybody can read along at home because it's remarkable. I'm a New York Times reporter writing about exposed Christian schools. Are you in your 20s or younger who went to a Christian Christian school. I'd like to hear about your experience and its impact on your life. Gee, do you think this reporter's going in with a nefarious agenda? And by the way, you could paint any public institution if you've solicited enough people as a horrible place, whether it be a public school, private school, Hebrew school, Muslim school. And this reporter is going to then present a story that's going to be seen as objective by his editors to readers who won't know better to take down the Catholic institution, expose Christian schools. This is, I don't use this word very often, Tucker, because I don't like The whole hyperbole cable news thing this is disgusting for a reporter to do this i agree with that
18: you mentioned aoc Alexandria ocasio-cortez let's talk about what she's saying on twitter how she's using twitter laura you wrote about conservative media reactions to to what she's doing what do you think is fueling the the constant attacks (laughs) on fox against this freshman congresswoman
8: well, look she's got a target on her back because she ticks every box that makes conservative men uncomfortable <laughs> she's a woman she's Latina she's young she's working class um, and she's a millennial she's a Democratic socialist uh, everything that makes people uncomfortable and she's a star she's a rising Democratic star she's got a lot of power people are really responding to her on social media as Charlotte said in the same way that people responded to Trump kind of emotionally a couple years ago so I think in some ways she's sort of the ideal anti-trump and she is threatening white conservative men's power and they're terrified of her
18: and thus she's a feature on Fox that's what you're saying
8: Mm -hmm. Hmm. absolutely yeah they're trying to take her down they're using all the all the tricks in the
18: patriarchy and yet she always replies right let's put up one of her tweets replying to Sean Hannity she was proud about a a, a comment Hannity made attacking her the other day is she trying to have it both ways Charlotte by one day, you know, she's, she's criticizing the Washington Post fact-checker. The next day, she's talking about how important journalism is to society. Is there something Trumpian at all about her journalism critiques?
5: Well, I think there's, it's really important to make a distinction here. Donald Trump is calling journalists the enemy of the people, and AOC is not doing any of that. I think that she uh, is in a unique position where she is getting a tremendous amount of scrutiny for a freshman congresswoman. Um, And I think that she's pushing back on some of the intense scrutiny. I mean, look, look, I don't see any male members of Congress who are being fact-checked with the uh, intensity and specificity and frequency that she is.
3: I don't care if she was a transvestite Martian. I don't give a fuck what she is. She's just a fucking moron. Mark Thiessen, if Alexander Arcasia Cortez were conservative. All anyone would be talking about is how uninformed she is. She would be facing trick questions reporters designed to expose her lack of knowledge and brutal sketches on Saturday Night Live mocking her intelligence and fitness for office. Instead, SNL fawns over her while CBS late show host Stephen Colbert, far from making jokes at her expense, eats ice cream with her and asks how many fucks she gives about her critics. Boy, it's good to be a socialist. It's not that there is a lack of material. This week, for example, she declared that the world is going to end in 12 years and that billionaires are unethical and blah, blah, blah. The story goes on from there. But that's all I can think of. Last podcast, I played the uh, stealing from Ben to Shapiro, who she reminds me of, the girl at a party you don't want to talk to SNL skit. But more importantly, he nails it. If she was a conservative, they maligned Palin, who wasn't that informed for the national stage. I'll give that much. With I can see Russian from my porch and made her a caricature. They dogged her. But this idiot goes out, doesn't know shit, says it's okay to be wrong but morally right, and the media backs her. She's so bad Pierce Morgan unleashed nearly 1500 word blistering attack. On her. There's no doubt that AOC, as she likes to call herself, bows to nobody in self-adoration, even if it means creating a shrine to her own magnificence on her office door. To understand the full magnitude of her ego, AOC even compared her New York election victory to Americans' 1969 moon landing and the Civil Rights Act. There's no doubt she is a rapid rising superstar in U.S. politics. Her achievement is becoming, at 29 years old, the youngest ever woman to serve in the United States Congress is generally Remarkable. But then Morgan noted that AOC retweeted a tweet from and, er, Ariana Grande, lambasting Le, him. He wrote, AOC loved this, retweeting Grande's attack with me on me with the words, Get him! And a muscle-armed emoji. Both of them got a gazillion likes for their tweets, and I was duly, savagely abused by their fans. Morgan went on, the offensive, she inspires such demented support because she is the ultimate woke liberal celebrity, someone who's, whose whole life now seems devoted to virtue signaling her way to the top. There's no issue from transgender rights to climate change on which she isn't apparently now a world authority. Which brings me back to Covington slightly. Do you remember when we were told that we were supposed to have Stoneman and Dun- Douglas kids were totally, totally the right people to turn to for gun laws? That's what we're doing here with AOC. Because they're liberal and they're an ally, they are so educated. They are so well informed. Anybody else in their place that has an R or... Even an eye behind their name. They're pieces of shit. She has literally attacked WAPO Kessler for fact checking. And here are just one, two, three, four, five false and one pants on fire. okayzier 21... 21- Trillion in Pentagon account errors. Medicare for all cost thirty-eight trillion. That means sixty-six percent of Medicare for all could have been funded already. False. Misleading. Misunderstanding the data. Another one. In her defeat of Republican Representative Karen Handel, Democratic challenger Lucy McBeth was out spent five to one. Once again, misreads campaign disclosures. Just last year, we gave the military $700 billion budget increase, which they didn't even ask for. Total budgets straight from military wish list. In New York City, for every one person experienced homelessness, Here, there are about three vacant apartments. This ratio won't have you out in the cold, won't help you out in the cold. Uh, ICE is required to fill 3,400 beds with detainees every single night, and that number has only been increasing since 2009. Beds, not people. And the pants on fire. Unemployment is low because everyone has two jobs. Unemployment is low because people are working 60, 70, 80 hours a week and can barely feed their family. Wrong on several counts. That's not even true. And once again, if Obama had done the ACA, you wouldn't have part-time jobs. But the way small businesses had to accommodate the ACA is to cut people give less hours do more with less I lived it I'm out of business don't have a job there it is left freaks out at Washington Post fact checker giving Pinocchios to Ocasio-Cortez Eric Alterman when is Glenn Kessler going to propose to this congresswoman for one month he pays so much attention to her it's embarrassing to the rest of us There it is. He's just doing what he does to conservatives. But you don't like it. You don't like it when it's turned on you, yet you're all down with the dog pound when they talk about fucking hamburgers in a Clemson feed. Oh, they're not stacked a mile high. It would take 10,000 hamburgers to get a mile high because they're only two inches. I mean, that was a thing, man. With Diagram's PowerPoint presentation from WAPO on a championship fucking buffet. Kessler's response is, AOC accused a fact-checker of relying on Walmart-funded think tank paper when we fact-checked her. We need to set the record state straight. She's wrong. Don't always believe what you see on Twitter. The article has been updated with a note explaining the provenance. So when Glenn Kessler destroys conservatives, good to go, when it's liberals, oh, what the fuck is, you're a fucking conservative, you're a fucking goddamn alt other things that don't progress with her very well, NBC News, most Americans are unwilling to pay $10 a month to fight climate change, a survey found, But even as two new surveys confirm the public's growing awareness of global warming, they also indicate that the issue is still not a front-burner concern, and that taxpayers don't want to pay very much to rein in the greenhouse gases that are at the root of the problem. But the survey by the Associated Press-Nork Center for Public Affairs Research also showed that Americans, despite that knowledge, still do not rate climate change as a front-of-mind issue. Health care, economy, terrorism, immigration, and energy policy were all cited before climate change it was 1202 adults and i guarantee it was liberally slanted and it still didn't work out they all want conservatives to live in caves but those motherfuckers ain't giving up their goddamn iphone and to do that they have to give up carbon emissions which means for the majority of the country coal-fired electricity plants you just give that shit up go live in a cave jeff bezos is another example gives a pitiful amount of Of his $160 billion fortune. The grand total of Bezos giving, 146443 dollars one twenty-eight. This is over a long time period. It's .09% of what he makes. You can't get more liberal than Bezos. You just can't. None of them live this way. We segue into Warren. She wants confiscation of money. For rich people. That's our latest thing. Take their money. Huge article uh, from fucking National Review. It started with a tweet. This billionaire NFL owner just paid $100 million for a super yacht, which is with its own IMAX theater. I'm pretty sure he could pay my new ultra-millionaire tax to help the millions of yachtless Americans struggling with student loan debt. Senator Megan Hunt from Nebraska, no one earns a billion dollars. Eric Spencer, I actually Googled her to see if she's a real senator or it's a parody. Surprisingly, she's real. But then he asked, did Obama, Warren, Sanders, and Pelosi earn their millions? People tweeted Oprah, Alec Baldwin, Bill Gates, Apple, Bezos, all these allies. What about them? Do they earn their money? Are they giving all that money over? Are they going to go with your fucking millionaire tax? Remember, she's the one. You didn't build that. We built the roads. Or else you wouldn't have your business. These motherfuckers are uber-socialists. Then you got Camellia Harris. Stacks her presidential campaign with Hillary Clinton alumnus. Dim Super Lawyer, Mark Elias, announces part of a newly launched 2020 campaign. But it segues into, wow, there's a lot of dirt on these people. So you, you got Warren, who's Pocahontas, but proved that she's, I'm more American Indian than she is. And my roots go to Greece and Germany and Russia. England, Irish, Norwegian. I'm a mutt. But I'm... Just like her, one in two thousand twenty fourth or whatever the fuck it is. Then you got Camelia Harris who slept with the D.C. mayor. That's out in the open. So she got her start. Some people say I don't know, but she has to deal with real black people. Remember, we've shoved on the show. Covered on the show. Light-skinned black people aren't real black. There's a lot of black militants like Tariq Nasheed that Barack Obama wasn't a real black man because there was some white blood in him. Thus, he couldn't be really black because white people are bad. And he starts in, and this was a huge thing, Camellia Harris has never identified herself with black people, but now that she's running for president, she needs a black vote. Her camp is trying to say things like, Camellia is black because she went to Howard. Rachel Dozell went to Howard, too replies to this, two of a kind, it's sad that one on the right embraced black culture, while the one on the left has rejected the culture until now. So how does she identify herself? Enlighten us, please, since you already went there. You must know, right? Joshua, it's not about who is black. There are black people everywhere, but who is ADOS? Who is the American descendant of slaves and part of the community that's a whole different thing? Not everyone is of the lineage so she can be a black and she wants to, if she wants, she's a black Indian Jamaican. Dion, North Carolina. President Obama is not an American descendant of slaves but is a part of the community. Or do you disagree? Part of the community? Tariq Nasheed. No. No. This is a sad excuse to bash someone. If you do not like her policies or have issues with her, then fine. But there's not a level of identity for someone who is black. The sleep worker strikes again. But there's more. So, Camelia Harris is taking a page out of Hillary Clinton's playbook on how to pander to black voters. Camelia has pulled her hair back so she can show her ethnic edges. And she's dancing to rap music. I was going to play the video he has. It is just like her hillary and her hot sauce and her goddamn purse trying to be beyonce bullshit Lewis mensch jumps in hey me too this racist defended bill cosby and is an expert in the formation of the russian language he also said black voters shouldn't vote democrat If camellia harris threatens a misogynist russian expert like the pro cosby trick nasheed she's doing things right And she tweets, so it's undocumented that white supremacist groups, some with Russian connections, were actively targeting black entertainers for extortion, and that's the basis of Bill Cosby's targeting. I didn't even know about this.
2: Hmm.
3: Wow. Ninja. Lewis Mensch, my mind is messed up after taking hard drugs. So they start attacking her. Tariq Nasheed, this suspected white supremacist Lewis thinks that black women's hair is something negative. And this black people are that black people are funded by Russians, dog whistle she keeps throwing out is exactly same Russian communist operative propaganda used against MLK before he was assassinated. Ben McDonald, Lewis Mensch is a white supremacist, is the take we all needed. Why am I reading this shit? Because this is how fucked up these candidates are. This is how fucked up we are on the left. We, we And I'm not saying the right wasn't. There was a 16-person clown car in 2016. But none of this is in the media. None of it. I mean, we pulled out all stops to stop Trump. Kamalia Harris slept with a D.C. mayor is it even on the lips of CNN they're talking about how she is the second coming of Christ Casey Hunt Jeff Cellini reports on the inside politics Hillary Clinton is telling associates she hasn't closed the door on a 2020 bid 10,000 tweets no 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 fuck no no please don't run no no so right now on the left you have Gillibrand, Harris, Pocahontas, and possibly Hillary, which is exactly what I said we were going to see. They'll end up settling on a Latinx, transvestite who is predominantly looks woman, non cis normative person. The media will ignore any negativity on that person, and they're going to run them to the front of the top. Oh, they're going to run to the top. That's where we're going on the fucking left. It is going to be a race of wokeness. Who is more woke than the other candidates? Who virtue signals on all the intersectionality platform? I am surprised right now there isn't a steering committee For Linda Sassar, running for president. I'm just shocked. I'm just shocked. Or Mallory. I'm serious. It's all about wokeness. And it's all about you're never woke enough. That's why I could never be a liberal if I wanted to. It's it would it's, it's fucking a whole full-time job to figure out what's the latest cause. I mean, we've covered maps. Pedophiles are a cause. I mean, what the fuck? Ten-year-old fucking transgender dancers? You fucking people. So that's the race to the bottom. That's just a brief segment, but it's coming. There will be a... Bernie's talking. It's going to be... 2016 on crack on the left and every one of them is going to be a socialist and that's the only thing that scares me I'm not a Trump supporter I voted against Hillary I don't think he's a great president I think his policies are good but he spends too much time on Twitter and he runs his fucking suck too much ignore the media, move on, get something fucking done you got two years or a year really By this time next year, you're, you're not going to be able to get shit accomplished. Get something done. And I think that's what we should be looking at as a country. Is it all about who's the most fucking woke or is it about somebody going to get in the office and get something done for all of America? Not for fucking immigrants, not for gay people. Everybody. We haven't talked about everybody since H. Bush. And even then, it was, you know, he was going to his base, no taxes. But, I mean, this is fucking pathetic. I wouldn't vote for any of those people. Right now, I don't want to vote for anybody. I don't want to vote for Trump, fucking Harris, Pocahontas, Gillibrand, Hillary, Bernie, I don't want to vote for any of them. I'm fucking the, the dude and uh, the Latino dude, the senator, I don't want to fuck vote. I don't want to vote, vote for them fuckers. They, 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 no. Voting for them is like just grabbing a hammer and a sickle. Everybody in a bread line, shut your fucking mouth. I mean, it's just a fucking train wreck. Our politics are a fucking train wreck. I, I I've said it a million times. I just want to believe in somebody. I want to go and vote for somebody I believe in. And it's never happened in my dull life. Ever. All my votes were absentee in Oregon. They didn't count. So the first vote ever was against Obama. The second vote against Obama. The third vote against Hillary. I never counted before then. I just want to walk in and vote for somebody. So, another fly, uh, why can I not remember the damn name of the band? Jesus Christ and Fly Flyleaf. I was right. And we go into news, social, media nuggets.
0: at the media bubble one podcast at a time. Here's Tony
2: Reed in this home. That is me.
3: The dead are rolling over. This this is this is something, man. This is this is our generation, man. All you people
4: are, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves because it's really groovy.
0: Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind.
11: It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC?
9: Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, we
2: have right see two. these girls? Yep.
9: No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, no pop your figs.
2: Save the whales. Gays yeah, in the military now
0: i are hear the sounds that we hear.
6: It can be for it's an adventure for the few, the proud, the brave. In military
2: corner.
3: Military corner. Sadly, Fort Bliss identifies two soldiers killed in Fort Bliss striker vehicle crash. Corporal Cole Trevor Wilcock. Will. Wixom, W-I-X-O-M, 24, and PFC, Jamie R. Riley, 21, died when two striker vehicles reportedly crashed at McGregor Range Training Complex in New Mexico. I've actually been there. Uh, we were going to put a store there once. Um, rest in peace. Be with your families. It's a horrible way to go. I, I still remember 19 months of combat, no deaths. Fort Polk, guy gets run over by a tank. Just just the worst. Just Just the worst. Lawmakers race to introduce veterans medical marijuana bill and new Congress. And I hope it pass. Yes. I'd rather be on that than Percocet for my chronic back pain, body pain due to my disability. That would be nice. Seven seals granted immunity in Iraqi war crimes prosecution. That big case we've been talking about seven seals turned on the one that is just unheard of. I was shocked when I read that. Um, just shocked! Air Force Thunderbirds are going to do this flyover at the Super Bowl, and that's that's new. It's usually a you know Air Force plane or helicopters or something, but it's going to be the actual Thunderbirds, which is cool. I'm a big um, the Blue Angels. I'm just all down with the Blue Angels. Love them, but uh, good to see them out there. Fly the military's most heavily armed attack helicopter? Confessions of an Apache pilot. Nothing is more powerful than a young boy's wish except an Apache helicopter. An Apache helicopter has machine guns and missiles. It is unbelievable, impressive complementary of weaponry and absolute death machine. So task and purpose, talk to this Tyler Merritt about it. Uh, Imagine you're talking to someone who's never seen a helicopter In a few words describe it. It's basically a fucking flying tank, usually with angry jaws on the side just to fuck with people. Why do you think the Apache is such a popular helicopter? Most guys who join the military are not in it for the money. They're there to blow shit up. And if you can fly around and blow things up as a kid who played Army, it doesn't get much cooler than that. In reality, there's nothing cooler than being able to respond to requests for fire and help the guys on the ground. When's the worst time to be an Apache pilot? Flying during the day when the air conditioning breaks. The cockpit turns into a fucking sauna like no other. I'm talking canopy greenhouse. will get to around 138 degrees. And that's where all your electronics start to fail. You can't escape the heat. You can't open your window. So it gets ungodly hot. When's the best? At night. We own the night. A lot of shenanigans go on at night because people forget that flying at night is by far my favorite are there certain things that only apache pilots can do now that i'm out of the army i have no problem telling you these things i got hammered one time at delta compound in iraq when i didn't realize that the irish coffee was truly irish coffee and had whiskey in it so after i drank a few we had a flyback i thought it was just flavored turned out it wasn't we we're flying low level from baghdad back up north but i wasn't on the controls and i only had a couple glasses so what is it so what is that like drunk backseat driving I think it's more drunk co-piloting. <laughs> what, what's it like doing a gun run in an Apache helicopter? Can you describe how it feels, the sound, sensations, sights? Man, it's like sex. I have the hairs on my arms pricked up. Just thinking about it, it's not too weird to say I have a bit of a freedom boner. (laughs) I love this guy. There's nothing much better if you're into guns and into flying and getting to combine the two. There's a whole level of complexity involved. You're not just dealing with shooting and terminal ballistics. You're dealing with aerial ballistics. There's math, and it's complicated. Projectile shift, trajectory jump, all those things come into play. Shooting the 30mm is pretty cool. The hellfire is totally anticlimactic. I thought there'd be a huge ball of fire, but just like but the rockets the 2.75 inch hydro rockets that thing is awesome you don't have weapon proce- you don't have weapons processors that are doing the ballistic calibration in your eyeball it boils down to pilotage and skill i watched my master gunner who was crazy motherfucker shoot a rocket around a building it curved a rocket around a building you only get that after your fifth year long deployment to a combat zone well good guy You know, I've talked before about uh, Afghanistan, but we got sent to Omar, Oman, excuse me. I got Omar stuck on my head because I hate that lady. She's a fucking Islamist. Um, And we had R&R, you know, they took her guns away. It was like four days. Got a drink. They didn't really care. You had like a two drink limit, but we were 101st guys, so they didn't punch our tickets they just gave us drinks and i did get to talk to the apache pilots that were on our mission during operation operation anaconda and um they were good dudes they were just good dudes they were grunts but they were pilots so it worked out and lastly on military corner um sergeant will gardner this is a pretty damn good movie gary sinise is in it um what's his name max well the guy from I, I, I fucking edited down the story, so Max Perelli, I think his name is. He was from the unit. And um you know, there's some poetry in there, a couple moments that are just weird, but it talks about the serious mental illness problems and homelessness. It's just like fifty thousand people a night are sleeping on the street and they're vets. Um but we gotta be better than this. We just got we got to. I, I mean, I donate to all sorts of shit, but donate doesn't work. We we got to find a way to be able to <clears throat> treat our vets both medically and spiritually and just employment better. There's a lot of people talking about it, but they, it doesn't seem to fix the problem. Um, we have a generation of vets that have come back, and they're kind of treated like Korean War vets, Vietnam vets. They don't get spit on and shit doesn't get thrown on them, but they're just forgotten. It's out of the news. I mean, we're still fighting. It's out of the news. Nobody cares. They just don't care. So, indoor college crazy. And these are college students, once again, blaming Trump for the shutdown because that's what their teachers told them. But, yeah, once they're told the facts, they find out, oh, wow, I guess Trump did try.
21: What's your thought on who's to blame for the shutdown? The president. (laughs) I think specifically
14: Trump. Since this has been the longest government shutdown, he is mainly responsible.
9: Um, personally, Trump. Um, I would definitely say Trump. I would say mostly on Trump.
2: Maybe get the government working again, like that would be good. (laughs) I would say Trump is to blame.
21: Okay.
6: Yeah, Trump is probably to blame.
21: If President Trump were to make some of the of the concessions that Democrats have been asking for, like protection for DACA Dreamers, $800 million for humanitarian aid, extra funding for judges to get some of the immigration cases moving, if you were to offer those three things, do you think the Democrats should consider compromising on their end? Yes, they should.
9: What do you
0: think? Yeah, I wouldn't agree. I think that they should compromise.
9: I think that would be
14: a good start. They should allow some funding for the law for now if... Trump were to agree to some of their terms as well.
18: Getting the government working and getting those protections for like dreamers, that's obviously super important and if like conceding like a small portion of that, of something that's probably not going to be done it's like kind of a a bittersweet kind of
21: Did you know President Trump actually has offered that already? Really? (laughs) No, I didn't know. Are you surprised by that?
18: Yeah, like
5: yeah.
21: (laughs) And what are your thoughts on that?
5: Uh
9: I don't know
21: (laughs) so are you surprised by him offering those compromises
9: um i would say i would say yeah i would say it is pretty surprising
21: okay that's
14: awesome then you know i'm obviously behind a little last time i checked it just said 31 days (laughs) shut down
9: i
18: am as surprised pleasantly surprised that he's offered those things
21: for sure. Do you think the Democrats should have taken the compromise President Trump offered?
9: I do. I do think so. The compromise
21: isn't worth it to them, I guess. Would you say Pelosi should consider compromising on that or hold the line? What do you think?
18: I think anything that gets things going again. Yeah. It was the wrong move
2: for her to turn it down.
21: What would be your message to Nancy Pelosi in response to shooting down that offer?
14: Compromise, compromise, compromise. Just get the Democrats to, you know, budge, and that's basically all. There's not much.
18: I'm Just learning a lot. <laughs> that's what I can say for sure. Okay. Um, cool. I don't know. Maybe okay. on her end, maybe she should have a more open mind. Get the
16: government working
18: again.
21: So take the compromise.
16: Yeah.
14: It's the Democrats not giving in to the Republicans. Correct. So they don't want to fund the wall at all. Correct. And that's why the shutdown is yeah. currently happening.
21: I'm Kappa Phillips with Campus Reform. Thanks for watching. If you liked what you saw, click right...
3: Heather McDonald again. The deadly shootings of Black Lives Matter ignore opportunistic outrage. Anger about comparatively rare white-on-black hate lets advocates ignore a far more perverse reality. Look it up. It was, I want to say, on um, The Federalist. Great article. It is spot on. It nails the Sean King ship that the media ignored, that he just lied and made shit the fuck up and made it a white crime, but it wasn't. And there's even articles where the family say, I really wish we wouldn't have said anything. It made us not find the real shooter, and we shouldn't have said white when we didn't It's out there. It's on Daily Wire. Interesting, the media ignored it. ASU lecturer posts info about covenant students, but it's the wrong one. Lillian Marie Wallace falsely identified Michael Hodge, a student at Covington Catholic High School, as the person who confronted Native American Nathan Phillips. The name of the kid in front of Michael Hodge, Wallace said, and reply to a Facebook post pertaining to the incident made by the University of Illinois Urbana Champagne Gender and Women's Studies Department. The Covington students to which Wallace was referring was actually Josh Salmon. They had a post about him on Covington's Facebook page saying, he wants to be a chef and plans to go to Cincinnati State next year, the ASU lecturer said, referring to who she thought was Hodge. She listed the phone numbers for Covington State University Admissions, Covington Catholic High School, the Diocese of Covington, and the Diocese Board of, of uh, Covington. And it's a fucking horrible tweet. Wallace and others misidentified Hodge. As a result, the Hodge family was subject to an onslaught of harassment and death threats, according to tweets by Andrew Hodge, the oldest brother of Michael Hodge. Yesterday was supposed to be a day of celebration for my middle brother Alex, who got married last night. Instead, my family had to deal with the fallout of my youngest brother, Michael Hodge, being falsely accused of standing and smiling in front of an indigenous man with a drum. Andrew Hodge elaborated saying that his family was flooded with harassment and threats of physical violence. He tweeted that his parents' address was even posted online and that the family business had been defamed. The older Hodge brothers slammed those who shared this misinformation and stated that people tried to get Cincinnati State to rescind Michael's admission offer. People then started circulating articles of him regarding his dreams and goals of being a chef. The college he plans to attend and blow them up, encouraging them to resent the offer and call him a racist piece of shit. Cincinnati restaurant owner Jeff Ruby vouched that Michael Hodge was not even in Washington, D.C. when the incident occurred, claiming that he was actually in his brother's wedding. Michael wasn't even in D.C. His brother was married on Saturday and a rehearsal dinner the Friday night, Wedding Saturday. The ASU lecturer has since deleted her original Facebook comment and offered apology, saying that she was horrified by her own behavior. I was outraged when I read this and I posted a post that was not correct and had the wrong child's name on it. I'm horrified at my own behavior, but the rest of those motherfuckers KILL THEM! Hmm. It starts on campus, my friends. This fucking mob starts on campus. College teaches ed students how to combat toxic masculinity. Another class. God knows we need this. The course will be taught by Chris Kelly, Jasmine Kazi. Kazi is a 2016 graduate of Portland State University and of Lewis and Clark. Back home where I used to live. Price for the course $350 per hour. Jesus Christ. $350 per hour. Hmm. Student government promotes Planned Parenthood, then conservative pushback. Associated Students of the University of Utah post a photo on its official Instagram account of ASUU Students Body President Connor Morgan holding a Planned Parenthood sign. I was excited to see students from U take an active and forward role in planning today's march through the involvement in People for Unity. Unity! Really? Okay. And I was thrilled to see student activists from the U address the crowd. This is very inappropriate use of ASUU's official social media On public college campus, the university government administrator professor should not be showing an innate bias, such as showing a Planned Parenthood poster. So then they took the shit down. That's a Utah, for fuck's sake. Jesus. Then the big whammy. College Department of Education wants to teach your kindergartners there's 15 genders. Yeah. Apparently Atlanta fruit nuts, California Department of Education believes it knows what is best for your children and wants to teach kindergartners there are 15 genders. Not only that, but the curriculum being lo- looked at claims that it's impossibility to know whether a baby is boy or girl or something else. Forget that 6,000 years of history has taught us boys have penises and girls have vaginas. Alex Newman from the Freedom Project, the New American, was interviewed about California's plan to indoctrinate young children. Here's the memo. Orange County Board of Education General Counsel Ronald Winker detailed his legal reasoning. As part of the California Healthy Youth Act, government schools are required to provide so-called comprehensive sexuality education. One section of the education code, though, allows parents or guardians to excuse their child from comprehensive sexual health education and HIV education. And Fortunately, fortunately there's a giant loophole in the law that still mandates LGBT indoctrination. Another section of the code explains that the exemption does not apply to instruction, material, or programming that discusses gender, gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientation, discrimination, harassment, bullying, intimidation, relationships, or family, and does not discuss human reproductive organs and their function. Therefore, parents who disagree with the instructional material related to gender, gender identity, and all this other bullshit cannot excuse their kids. However, parents are free to advise their children that they disagree with some or all the information. Basically, we're going to brainwash your kids, whether you want us to or not. They're going to embrace the rainbow, as it says. Large article. Disgusting. Just disgusting. Why do kids in kindergarten need to know their 15 pronouns? Why do they need to know about sex at all? Why? I understand biology is really important, but you lefties ignore biology because then you say there's 95 fucking genders. So, I mean, it must not be that important to you. It used to be this is an ovary. This is a testy. Hmm. The bookstore that we talked about, about the New York abortion law that posted the picture on our last podcast, they got overwhelming support. People went crazy on their Facebook to the positive. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you didn't hear it in the media. If it would have been the opposite, the media, like CNN, would have ran front page, breaking news, the Chiron, bigoted bookstore. Forced to close due to public outrage over Facebook posts. Yeah, that's what it would have read. Staying on the theme... CNBC wants you to know kids make you poor. In an article for CNBC updated on Thursday, author Yoni Blumberg writes that kids really are just the worst. Your friends may tell you having kids has made them happier. They're probably lying. Research shows that parenthood leads to a happiness gap. Maybe that's because the pleasant pleasures of parenthood are weighed by all the extra responsibility, housework, and of course, the costs. They so cite stuff that uh, from 2015 was expected to cost an average middle-income married couple, middle-income married couple, twelve thousand three hundred fifty dollars and thirteen thousand nine hundred. As the U.S. Department of Agriculture notes in their 2017 report, that means those parents would spend about $233,610 in 2015 on a child through age 17. Lower income families spend about $174,690. Do they just not want kids on the planet? Is that what this is about? I mean, seriously. Sure. Sure. When I had my second kid, I thought about the financial impact of diapers again. Really, that's what it was. Diapers and formula. But if you're tabulating and making a business decision on having your child, God, you're a selfish piece of shit. Ginsburg cameo in Lego Movie 2 spotlights Warner Brothers leftward tilt. Why is Ginsburg in a Lego movie? Why is thomas's wife getting crushed for meeting the president these are questions i can't answer oh yeah i can't media bias facebook tries to take down all divisive content another wall street journal article with him and it's the same old shit if you're conservative you're hateful if you're liberal you can fucking put kids through work wood chippers if they're from covington catholic you can say trump's a piece of shit and needs to be harassed and fucking assassinated we don't give a fuck we're just trying to win back all those liberals that left because they think we helped him get elected. Okay. That article I spoke of, it was back here. I don't know why I put it back here. Family of se- uh, slain seven year old Gretz hate crime claims that led to false accusation. This was actual local news that interviewed him and they apologized. Baby twins have two different fathers after gay couple were both able to fertilize an embryo of a surrogate mother. Simon and Grammy Bernie Edwards are both biological fathers to their twins. The couple traveled to Canada to have in vitro fertilization with a surrogate Meg Stone. They were able to both fertilize an embryo, meaning that they're now going to have two kids. Good for them. But once again, that won't be taught in the class that the two gay guys that are your best friend's dads can't have the child. they got to have somebody be a vessel for that because that would be biology. They just say, they're a family too. You shut your mouth, bigot. Okay. He was falsely convicted of rape. A DA claimed exonerated DNA evidence violated rape shield laws. Now he's getting a new trial. Ronald Jacobson has spent more than a half of his life behind bars for rape and kidnap of 1990. On January 25, 2019, the court of appeals of state of Georgia granted him a new trial. In 17, it was discovered that the DNA discovered in the victim's rape kit could not have been his, and a new trial was demanded. The DA, however, opposed a new trial, claiming the DNA couldn't belong to someone else. The victim was sexually active with prior to the kidnapping, Allow the DNA evidence into court, and DA said would pr- violate the Rape Shield Act as the law prohibits evidence related to a victim's sexual history. That's pretty fucked up. Wow. Dude's been in prison for 30 fucking years. Mm. My wife, Gigi in Tennessee, (laughs) sent me this one. I got to admit, I cringed a little. I got an inrection off this. January 20th, Robert Bob Coates put this on Facebook. St. Louis, Missouri, a 43-year-old woman was arrested this morning by the St. Louis Police Department after she tore off her husband's genitals with her own teeth as an act of vengeance for alleged infidelity. The picture they put with it, sweet Jesus. Oh, my God, this woman looks fucking psycho. Just psycho. Oh, son of a bitch. And then we close our show with something really fucking scary, freaky, and once again, I don't have a problem with Islam. I have a problem with Islamists. I have no problem with anybody who is a devout religious person. But this Hail Satan shit, I, I got a problem with you. I'm looking at you. Hail Satan film review. Hero Satanists use the devil to separate church and state. Let's get a few things out of the way. The Satanic Temple, the religious activist group at the center of the excellent documentary at Fit Sundance, Hail Satan, premiered Friday. First, members of the Satanic Temple don't actually worship Satan or even believe in him. They want nothing to do with murderers and child abuse contributed to Satanism during the Satanic Panic of 80s. Their only human sacrifices are tremendous sacrifices of their own time. The name of humanity... They reveal in shock value their headquarters is a black house in Salem, Mass, home of the witch trials, and they be best known for a legal fight with Netflix, The Chilling Adventure of Sabrina. But their core belief that Congress shall make no laws respecting an establishment of religion isn't some kooky commandment they invented during the black mass. It's the first line of the First Amendment. You can tell who wrote this article. This is journalism. Journalism accompanying this article is our segue to lighter Fair. These are Satanists in Sweden trying to summon the Demel devil in CERN. I guess it's a cave. I'm just gonna play a snippet but I gotta admit I wanted to go to church. To our lighter fare. Got some good funny stuff. Toxic masculinity meet its match. Two men to perform with the Rams cheerleader. And SB 53. Yeah, you knew CBS was on this. Like white on rice. On a paper plate. In a snowstorm. It'll be followed by diversity firing. Comedy sketch trolls woke outrage campaigns. This one's a little long. But God damn it, it's good. So here are the Super Bowl male cheerleaders because, yeah, we need that in our lives. And I, who was the fucking sketch by? Make sure I put this right. Sketch group Riot Act. Um, funny shit. Enjoy.
22: We are back now with that Super Bowl first that's taking place on the sidelines. For the first time ever, male cheerleaders will be at the big game, breaking barriers and cheering on the Los Angeles Rams. Napoleon Jennings and Quentin Peron now made, have made history when they became the first male cheerleaders in the league this season. And they're joining us now along with their coach, Emily Liebert. And guys, it's not a bad way to end your first season. Good morning. Good, Good
16: morning,
22: guys. So how does it feel? A lot of people think the Super Bowl, the players are the only ones who go and really enjoy it, but the it, it only ones who, 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 who can say, we're going to the Super Bowl, but now you can say it, the support system. So how do you guys feel about that? How do you feel hearing you're going to the Super Bowl?
2: It's been I a, it's really such a dream. <laughs> Clearly we're overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, it's
18: like
22: a fairy tale. It's like a fairy tale. and You know, Quentin and Napoleon, we first talked to you guys in the spring. We saw all the hard work that you put into your auditions. So how has all that hard work paid off for you for the season?
14: Oh, man, it's been a crazy ten months. um, Dancing hard and really engaging with our community and our team and supporting our players. So uh, I can't believe that we made it to this point. So. I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure it's showing off that we've been working pretty hard.
18: Setting, setting aside the Super Bowl, what surprised you most about the first season? How crazy our fans are. We have the best fans ever. Uh, yeah, so do. supportive and just everyone was so excited to see us. And then the Rams are doing well, obviously. And then just the camaraderie of L.A. just. Oh, it, was, it was insane. It was,
22: I don't know what to say. I'm going to speak this. <laughs> well, you, well, you know, you guys, your roles are just not on the field. They're off the field as well. So, Emily, I wanted to ask you, how are these great, these guys' great role models off the field? One, two, three,
11: four, kick the a white, white man out the door. A
6: storm five, of six, rage seven, has erupted here outside eight, Blue Sky Incorporated eight, over one, a viral two, three, photo four, that revealed the company's the marketing team four, four, is overwhelmingly five, six, straight,
0: seven, white, and male. Stop the hate.
6: Attention has now shifted onto CEO Lester Phillips, with many having expressed frustration over his lack of action.
9: Alright, look, fire the marketing team. The, uh, the, the the black Muslim in sales. What's his name? Ashir? Ashir. He'll be in charge of marketing now.
15: Mr. Phillips, I'm afraid our problems go deeper than that.
9: Uh, how how deep?
15: Yesterday, we in HR made some amendments to company policy regarding microaggression. Again. I take this shirt seriously, sir. This may come as a shock to you, but this company is a festering cesspool of insensitive privilege. A much-needed purge is upon us. Privilege? What kind of privilege? Yesterday... While at work. Employee Ted Calvert said this in a Slack exchange. Hey, does anyone have a monkey wrench I can borrow? Yeah. What's offensive about that? Mr. Phillips? Monkey? He said monkey. There are African Americans that work here. I mean, why on earth would he use the term monkey wrench when he can always use the correct term? Adjustable, non-conforming, metallic twister. You can't be serious. Mr. Phillips, I have worked hard at this company day in and day out, ever since I was hired yesterday. My voice deserves to be heard. And you want me to fire him? Yes. Yes. And if you don't, this country has a tried and fair system of bringing incidences like this to justice. One tweet. One tweet from me and celebrities will boycott this company Chick-fil-A style! Okay.
9: Alright, alright. He's fired. He's fired. Are you happy? I have
15: not been happy. Since the day Hillary lost. Now, on to the next offender.
9: Oh, come on. Another one? Oh, I'll tweet. No. Oh, I'll all do right. it.
15: No, alright. Fine, fine. Go on. What's next? This is Brenda Felice. She is a professed hater of The Last Jedi, the most diverse, female-empowering Star Wars movie ever. She actually posted LOL in response to a Forbes article about how little kids do not want to play with Rose Tico action figures. She hates Asians. Fire her, or... Fine, she's fired. Now, this is Bryce Johnson. He typed on Facebook, I love Kenan Thompson. SNL sucks without him. Yeah, what's offensive about that? Mr. Phillips, everybody knows that without the talented, brilliant, sexy, hot, Leslie Jones, can anyone dare say that SNL sucks? Bryce Johnson is a racist. Fire him. Racist, he's black,
9: and Keenan is black. Well,
15: then he's sexist. Fire him for oppressing Leslie Jones like some sort of slave master. Oh, alright, alright, he's fired. And now look at this. A mere ten years before I started working here, employee Ashir Hamad said this on Facebook The Quran says homosexuality is unnatural. Vote yes on Prop 8. Okay, I can see how that would be offensive to gay employees. So, Ashir is fired. Good. Good. And now fire yourself for firing a follower of the religion of peace. I'm not firing myself.
9: No! No tweeting! Don't tweet! Alright, fine! Fine! I'll fire myself. To save the company, I will fire myself. You're fired. I'm fired. Uh, Dominique in Finance, she'll take over. She'll run the company. You
15: sexist pig! You're not going to appoint a woman CEO?
9: Dominique is transgender, doesn't that count as woman in in the games you people play? Oh!
15: Oh! First of all, it is not okay to call gender preference a game. Nor is it okay to use the phrase, you people. Well, that sort of language offends me right down to my very front hall. That's not
9: an expression.
15: Secondly, Dominique is not transgender. Dominique is gender fluid, which means some days he identifies as a man, and some days she identifies as a woman. And? And... Oh my gosh, there's a calendar. If you hire him Monday through Wednesday, when he identifies as a man, you're a sexist pig who's helping to keep white privileged males in power. But if you hire her... Thursday, and Friday, you're a feminist hero who's helping to topple the patriarchy. Okay, fine.
9: I will wait until Thursday to fire myself, and then I will hire Dominique during the brief 48-hour window where Dominique is a woman.
15: No, no, no. Why, why, why? Because Dominique has to be fired, don't you see, Mr. Phillips? Dominique referred to himself in the third person on Friday. He said she. He used the wrong pronoun to refer to himself. You must fire her.
9: Fine. You know
15: what? Fine. Dominique
9: is fired. Dominique is fired for using the wrong pronouns. I'm fired for being an Islamophobe. Ashir is fired for being a homophobe. Bryce is fired for not finding Leslie Jones sexy. Brenda is fired because she didn't like The Last Jedi. And Ted is fired because he's used the word monkey wrench. Alright, we're all fired. I'm fired, they're fired. You're in charge now. Have
15: fun. Me? But I can't run a company. Fine! I fire myself! Now I'm unemployed and I can go protest!
3: I didn't intentionally put those back to back As I looked for my lighter fare. I just slapped them in the back. But damn, that two went together, didn't it? Some poor girl can't do it so they could get two gay guys out there and be woke. I mean, I'm just assuming they're gay, but I mean, it's pretty obvious they're gay. I mean, that, that, that's good, right? Yeah, sure it is. Um, here is my favorite, my story. Live PD this weekend. Everybody knows I watch it. It is fucking hilarious because it was mama, mama, mama. There is this thug ran from the cops, dude was dealing drugs, screaming, Mama! Mama! Mama, get your ass out here! Mama! And I just thought it was so hilarious, because the next night, a teenage white girl getting busted for being a thug, Mama, get your ass out here! It's always calling for Mama, I was trying to get my Mama's house, this is my Mama's car, these are my Mama's pants, those are my Mama's drugs, I mean, these fucking people are horrible. Got one more soundbite, but i got to do the Jim Acosta. I was going to shove this in last show, but I ran out of time. The memes have already started. So these are the memes for Jim Acosta. Of course, his I'm a journalist, it's not about me initial tweet. Yeah, that was sarcasm. We are not the enemy of the people, and the truth is worth the fight. More coming soon. After that announcement, the mock covers and other fun stuff started hitting Twitter. Daily Wire, Dear Diary... Acosta's new book. Chapter one, I'm a real, I am real news, Mr. President. Chapter two, who is Jim Acosta? Chapter three, the weight of the republic is on my shoulders. Chapter four, pictures of me looking in mirrors. And chapter five, who are the real firefighters? Then Benny, Benny Johnson, breaking. I got a copy of the cover of Jim Acosta's new book. Dear diary, I'm not owned. The Jim Acosta story. You <laughs> live down by the wall. Dear Diary, heartfelt stories, tales, and poems by America's greatest journalism ever from Comfortably Smug. Seth Mandel, clever blurbs. A masterpiece. CNN's Jim Acosta. Brave revealing. CNN's Jim Acosta. Handsome, excellent, maintain ambra, eyebrows. CNN's Jim Acosta. Remember, I read it on air. I dogged him and he goes, but he's strikingly good looking. The guy is a fucking twat. He's just a twat. Nobody would like Jim Acosta. Liberals like him because he gives it to Trump and shit and he's a good activist. But if in real life, you would have just bitched this guy. Get the fuck away from me, fag. Back in the day, you could say those words because fag wasn't gay. That's what you would say now. You would forego wokeness and go, get the fuck away from me, you little faggot. Just like Chelsea Handler. Oh, isn't that interesting? She could say that. I can't. Okay. Guy Benson. Acosta going to blurb his own book, isn't he? By far the most important book of the year by the most handsomely heroic journalist in America. It's unbelievable that this will sell. And it probably will. A shitload. Amber Athney with him looking in the mirror. He tweeted that Natalie Johnson inbox Acosta unveils his book cover. Him looking at him on a screen at a speech he probably did it at museum. Oliver Darcy Acosta's writing a book about Trump's war with the media. Matt Hoyle, Josh Campbell, CNN ran a full article. They thought this was great shit. Brian Seltzer, CNN Acosta has been working on a book for months. It's coming out June eleventh. The entire world goes, wait a minute. He's working for this for a month. One might assume he's been playing his back and forth up for book content. That was Stephen Miller. SRS. So this behaves, explains his behavior, right? David Nusspickle. A book to report on what he's supposed to be reporting while he supposedly continues to report on it for TV. Wonder how much he'll have the balls to charge for that. That's CNN in a nutshell. And he's right. F. Bill McMorris. CNN Seltzer risked his life to get the scoop that CNN's Acosta was pushing a book. Everyone downplaying the importance of free press should think about what we would lose if we did walk away with such essential journalism. Stephen Miller again. Jim Acosta walking out of the briefing room after his book comes out. And it shows him walking out of press briefing throwing a fit nobody in the world can actually think this guy's a journalist you really have to be fucking daft he's a journalist who's an activist who's an activist that says he's a journalist that's all he is i mean do you ever remember even Tom Brokaw, who's fucking virtue signaling as fuck, on air reading a poem from the base of the Statue of Liberty, talking about immigrants like they're the heroes and everybody else is a fuckhead. Every remote in he does starts with a comedic, oh, this is just a shit show. Basically, that's what he's saying. Cause he's so great. Him. I mean the the problem is we have handed over journalism to punk ass bitches. Chuck Todd, punk ass bitch. Acosta, punk ass bitch. Cuomo, punk ass bitch. Don't even start me on Lemon and the rest of that. I'm just saying the main players and everything I talk about every week are punk-ass bitches. You wouldn't have liked them in high school. You wouldn't have liked them in college. And now we're in the world, and we don't like him. Because they're shitheads. They're arrogant, narcissistic fucking dicks. Who really haven't accomplished shit. I mean, to be a good journalist and get the leads on TV shows nowadays, you just have to be an excellent fucking liberal who say you hate white people you hate your own white privilege and let liberals come on your show and say whatever the fuck they want don't press them I mean come on even Todd we showed Trump's interviews we showed Hillary's interview one hard question him looking down because he probably did it so people can say I'm a real journalist one question didn't even press when she spun. It was like two friends having a, a coffee talk. A little coffee chat. So, yeah. This book is a joke. They will press this like it's the greatest thing ever. It's the Ten Commandments of Journalism. I'm going to buy one just so I can burn it in my wood stove. Once it goes on discount paperback. So, our last skin it was a second week of good SNL. It was actually funny. Didn't watch the cold open, didn't watch Weekend Update, which was less political this time. I think Leslie Jones is starting to beat these motherfuckers down because they've done some funny stuff. It's actually funny. It's not political. And they did this one. It's a rap video about your dog. And I had to play this because, unfortunately, this is my life now with a little mutt dog that's sleeping next to me and the huskies. Um, Yeah. It's basically... My dog is my bitch, but in my house, I'm my dog's bitch.
1: Yeah. Love that girl. She stay loyal in these cuz soon as I pull up to the crib, she's getting keyed up. She my main girl. I get home, she get at me. Hop up on my lap like welcome. I don't even gotta fake it And when she's at home, she loves being naked She's my
17: best friend She shows love and respect That's why she walk around with my name on her neck
13: ha! I love my bitch My bitch is my dog We dog, people dog, only dogs That's all My dog, good dog I
22: talk to my dog She cute, she bald Big dog, little dog, fat dog, skin
1: dog my cranium and my palm. with
17: uh, a mini teacup I'm allergic to these bitches I touch them and start itching if I see it then I pet it. get the drugs up out the
12: kitchen What was you checking a a drill and a Claritin cuz is getting real I love my dog.
1: Hey, chill
13: bro chill <laughs> what the hell is wrong with mark <laughs> bro, my dog who, she comes when i call my dog silly dog who, new dog old dog black dog gold, my <laughs> dog boy. name is Spike. she my little boogie boogie she love a little hat but she really love a cookie got her own instagram at boogie spike three some say i rescue her but she really in the hat you do
2: got a little head up don't you <laughs> respect this door
13: i'ma shoot you dead i got shooters in the street yo mark man look the death threats man Chill, bro. about dogs mark i don't like mark the mark crazy bro cowboys
1: done i got something to say Pugging and thugging, get up so cool, but the kissing disgusting. I'm kissing Pookie right now. Yeah, but I wish it you wasn't. Matter of fact, Ooh. I'm gonna keep it 100. Dogs are okay, but I love me some bunnies. Hop, hop, bunny, bunny, bunny. Hop, hop, there's a bunny on money. Hop, hop. Frankly, I don't give a shit. Sue, Shit sue. Bunnies are better than dogs. It's true. It's true. <laughs>
13: now you talking crazy. <laughs> my dog. Bunny, dog,
1: dog. dog bunny, dog. Hot, bunny. She closes, she falls. My best friend's my dog. Bunny, ho. <laughs>
3: So, before we close out, I want to salute Ugo Amadi. University of Oregon Safety was awarded a, Lomb- a Lombardi Trophy. And it used to be for the best linebacker defensive lineman. Wasn't it? It was basically for defensive lineman, But now they make it for all-around player. And he won, which is fantastic. Because, once again, my ducks don't win a whole lot. And last but not least, life-threatening Arctic Blast to freeze nearly 200 million of Polar Vortex attack the U.S. This was written by the USA Today. I'm not reading the story, but it was basically two shades shy of uh, AOC. We're all going to die, which is why Gannett had to delete 1,000 people. But be safe out there. My daughter is negative 66. We're going to miss out on the snow, which really pisses me off because I got a bunch of wood. I got the Jeep on the edge. I'm ready to fucking four-wheel, baby, because I can drive through 10, 12 inches of snow with my lifted Jeep. Really was looking forward to it, but yeah, that's not going to happen. But we're going to be cold as fuck. It's going to get down to eight degrees here with wind chill negative two. That never happens where I live. Remember, I'm on the Kentucky-Tennessee border. You don't get a lot of that super Arctic air. And we're going to get it. We're going to stay frozen for like three days. So for everybody out there, be safe. Um, as I told my daughter who was asking me questions, because once again, I was stationed in Alaska Korea, Afghanistan, you know, she knows as a grunt, I knew about cold weather, and I told her, don't let your kids fucking outside, I'm seriously, you, you can freeze within minutes in negative 66, you don't fuck with that kind of cold, I remember doing a brim frost, which used to be an exercise in Alaska, we would do weird shit, like guard pipes, and fucking, I was like a water purification plant, you know, we, we, we guarded a ski lodge once, it was the best time ever, free cocoa for it, we literally had to go pay them money because we drank all their cocoa. Um, But literally, it was miserable. Their wings fell off fucking planes, and they canceled the field problem. This is when I was an E-2 private, 1986, in December. And we literally couldn't train. The first sergeants came by with 10 gallons of diesel. We had these uh, Yukon stoves that actually have a regulator that you burn fuel, but usually it's diesel because it burns better. And we just had a pull guard sitting in our our place. They brought these Sus V's, which are like snow cats, brought us a bunch of meals. We stacked them outside the door, and we sat for two days. Could not leave the tent. Boring as fuck, but that's what we had to do because it was so cold they had to just stop. They didn't want any more damage because the plane had crashed because the wing snapped as it was going down the runway. Just snapped. So fucking cold, metal snapped. So it's a serious cold. So please be safe. Look out for your animals, all that kind of shit. It's a no-shitter. And this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends and send comments about the track or suggestion for segments to f-o-p-p-o-d-c-a-s-t at gmail.com. FOP! podcast, gmail.com, and get this show on SoundCloud, Podcastatic, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politics webpage at f-o-p-p-o-d-c-a-s-t.com, Podcast.com to see links for feeds of the show, links to our Facebook page, and to email us. There you'll see links to every episode on the episode release page on my blog that I never do, and once again in March, this goes away because nobody's going to it anyway. Um, our next show will be Friday, 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 one 1- february which is just unbelievable 2019 I, I can't believe that i can't believe we're already in february as usual make sure you disconnect from all your devices don't give the yeah yes to your family stay warm and tune back in friday for another episode as always thanks for listening and take care.
18: Thanks for listening to this episode of Fly Over Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at
6: F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.
15: To and i understood cuz i feel the same